Hi everyone, and welcome to American Dreams, a podcast about the British royal family. As we head into August, if you're listening in August, uh, generally this is known as the lull in the the royal calendar. So, uh, Jenna and I wanted to focus on one member of the royal family we think you should get to know better. That would be the Princess Royal Anne. Yeah! Um, As the second child of Queen Elizabeth II and Prince Philip, it's easy to Google and get all the basic facts about Anne's life. Um, But as thorough researchers that we Mm -hmm. are, um, you know, we wanted to go above and beyond, you know, just the basic facts to give you a little bit more um, background, not only on her life, but also her legacy. And uh, the one weird thing that kind of happened is I I went and searched in the library catalog to like find a book about her and there was only one. Only one. That that's kind of surprising because if you think of any major royal, obviously the Queen and Prince Charles and even Prince William mm-hmm. and Harry have like uh, at least like ten each. Right. And so I and I it was only it was a single book from 1974, and so I was like a oh, classic, a classic. Okay, you know it's been a while since she's had a book. Um. So, but it was at the library near my work. Um, in downtown Minneapolis, so I was like, I'll, I'll go pick it up. And yeah, so when I got to that row, and I usually don't go to into the aisles of the library anymore, because I usually just order my books, Yeah, and they get sent to the library near my house. But yeah, like you said, there was like a whole, there was like seven rows of Queen Elizabeth. Yep. Prince Philip had several, Charles has a ton, Diana, obviously, all of them, and then there was just this single Anne book. It took me a while to find this this book. It's a, it's a nice, like, Puce green. Yeah. No, puce is not green. What am I talking about? It's like a nice, like... It's got know. like that... It's got an Instagram filter on it almost. Yeah. But it's because it's from the 70s. Yeah. It's really yeah. like a soft yellowish green. Yeah. But yeah, so I was I was kind of surprised that that ended up being the only, the only book that um, was available and it probably hadn't been checked out in 30 years. Probably um, not. But she's... And you would think it's because she's, you know, not that important or not that big of a doesn't have that big of a role, but she's actually not a reluctant royal. In fact, she's actually the busiest working royal. Um, in 2016, she she did more engagements than Prince William, Harry, and Kate combined. Wow. And she does more. She did 640 last year engagements, and she does more than her brother, Prince Charles. Yeah, she does. Yeah. Getting it done. Right. So even though she's often o- overlooked, because if you look at pictures of her, she has, you know, that always that similar old-timey hairstyle and... Um, her dress choices are a little bit more old-fashioned, and she has, like, a kind of a stern look about her. Yeah, my, um, my favorite is um, the Fug Girls, how they always uh, portray her as some kind of lady detective yes. who's hunting <laughs> uh, hunting down a criminal. She always looks really suspicious of people, mm-hmm. and so it's always looking like she's corner- fingering the suspects, like, yes. looking, who is being treacherous around me. She's on the trail. Um, yes. But yeah, so the name of this book that I found is called Princess Anne, A Royal Girl of Our Time, because she really is kind of the first modern pr- princess. And as you guys will kind of learn today as we talk about her life, she, yeah, she's had that weird role to be that first modern princess, and she's had an effect on kind of how, or very similar experiences to what we see with what Kate has gone through, and um, kind of, yeah, even with Diana and everything, and how she wasn't, she was kind of the first person to have to deal with this very modern princess role. Yeah, and it's also interesting to look at her role as the younger sister of the future monarch. And since we have two future royals in Prince George and his younger sister, Princess Charlotte, um, we can maybe look a little bit to Anne to see what Charlotte's future role will be. Hi, Caitlin. Hey, Jenna. 
How are you? I'm doing good. I, I say that every time, but it is true because I'm always excited to um, finally record our episodes. Yes, to get in the same room to talk about the latest royal gossip rather than just frantically texting each other whenever the news breaks. Right, I know. We've had we've had a few moments that in the past couple weeks of that. So, but we'll share more when we get to our our news roundup. Well, we can one of the things we texted about was I woke up uh, earlier this week and The Crown season 2 had a premiere date announced and they had the trailer for the second season uh, to yeah. go with it. So, we learned that Netflix will be premiering the entirety of season 2 of The Crown on December 8th. So that is a Friday. So you can call in sick and uh, watch it over the weekend, or you can just try to cram it in Saturday and Sunday. We're going to have to schedule a rewatch of the original se or season one. We're planning to do a couple episodes about that when yeah. the time comes. Yeah, when I watched, I so I hadn't watched the trailer until this morning, and I was like, I like, I know Hans Zimmer is a very you know skilled person at making like you know, soundtracks and stuff. Atmospheric and music. Yeah, because, you know, and it, I would never have thought he would have been the person to do this because, you know, he's done, like, Batman and, yep. and like, uh, Inception and stuff. Christopher Nolan yes. stuff. Yes, And so I was, like, <laughs> I was, like, sitting at my desk and, like, my heart was, like, pounding and I was like, God, this, What's is, gonna the happen? this is the most important movie of my life. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's dramatic. Or it yeah. looks like it's going to be dramatic. Yes. They, this is a big budget production. So mm -hmm. it's, you know, you think, whoa, they're getting Hans Zimmer to do the music. But then you think, oh, yeah, they paid a lot of money for right. this. Everyone's back and looking fabulous. And I'm excited to yeah. see what season two has in store. For sure. And then uh, next we kind of move on to, I mean, last episode we were talking about how we haven't really heard from Megan. No. And had really any legitimate news about her. I mean, every day there's always things like she's pregnant, she's engaged, you know, that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah. Ooh, look at her her style wardrobe. Right. Copy her, um, I don't know, makeup looks. Right. There's all those kinds of things. <laughs> we did know that her birthday was coming up. We mm -hmm. mentioned that. We wished her a happy birthday. We did. And you know who else wished her a happy birthday? Who could it be? Um, her boyfriend, her, her bae, ah. Prince Harry. Yes. Um, yeah, I was driving in the car with my husband to go meet some other friends. And all of a sudden, just, I was looking at Twitter and I was like, there it is, I I, sorry, I yelled just there. <laughs> but that's an accurate recreation yes. of what happened. It was pretty exciting. It was. I, I was really surprised because I was like, it just seemed so, it was like so obvious that you would try to hide that, wouldn't you? Like, yeah, I mean, if they, and I mean, they like want what was it? The Daily Mail got the pictures or something like that, and so yeah, or they paid for them. I don't even know if it was the Daily Mail. So, yeah, I know that pretty much. I we didn't end up knowing where they went after they arrived at that no, airport. No, there's though. been speculation. Like they've talked about how they went and stayed with one of Prince Harry's friends who lives there, and they might have gone to like Zimbabwe or something, and taken a helicopter ride yeah. under the stars and all that right. jazz. And that it, it was a ten day trip, so they should be like back today or something. Yeah, but it was uh, still pretty exciting to see. I mean, she looked great. She looks pictures. so cute. He looked handsome, as always. But I wanted to see. She was carrying a book. I want to know what book it was. Oh, my gosh. Me, too. I was like, if we knew, we I, could have I a book would club. probably read it. Yeah. 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 Or I'd freak out if I'd already read it. I'd yeah. be like, oh, I'm so smart. The words. Yes. Yeah. And she yeah. Had, it appeared to be like a painting or something. So 
So people assumed that Harry had given that to her. Oh, right. Yeah, it was like that wrapped package. Yeah. Or maybe like a framed photo of something. Yeah. I hope it's a very large photo of them together. Yeah. Maybe like, he painted her a picture. Oh, my God. <gasps> what if Prince, Prince Charles... <laughs> <laughs> what if Prince Charles... Prince, oh, sorry. Prince Charles print, painted a nice watercolor <laughs> of the two of them or of something. That'd be pretty he funny. them sitting, like, next to a pond or something. Yeah. And they're just blurs. They're, they're soft, like soft blurs yeah things like that maybe yeah, maybe he's giving prince charles's gift yeah maybe it's not from harry it's from oh my gosh from and her future father-in-law yeah oh my gosh so anyways so really exciting because guess who we as we know guess who also got engaged in africa i don't know caitlin who was that uh kate and will yeah so i mean will brothers be brothers I don't know. Maybe I'm, will Harry follow in the traditional, uh, stereotypical male footsteps of not having an original idea? Perhaps. <laughs> well, just doing what his brother did? Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's not only that, but it's that, you know, Harry and Meghan do have a lot of shared experiences related to places in Africa. Mm-hmm. Their advocacy has brought both of them there. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like it's not just so much a copycat move just because William also asked a very important question there to yes. his future wife. So I don't think it's it's just a case of copying, but it, it certainly bodes well. Mm-hmm. It's a romantic place for uh, the princess. It definitely gives them the privacy that they they would need to, in order to take a vacation together. Right. Because nowhere else, I mean, there it's very obvious if someone's chasing you with a camera because there's literally no one else there. Right, exactly. <laughs> So, yeah. Yeah. So there's, and I mean, uh, recently, uh, before that, Megan had been in London with her mother. Yep. Which also is another sign or potential sign. We should say we don't have, you know, a confirmation for sure, at least from Kensington Palace, that things are getting serious and might be an engagement is hopefully imminent. Yeah. You were, you were saying you, you thought they might be flat hunting for her. Yeah. Which would make sense because once, I know she stays with Prince Harry at Kensington Palace when she's in London mm-hmm. as of now, but you know, the, I don't know, there's always such like, oh, we can't have, spend taxpayer money. Like she's not a royal yet. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's true and they're finding a, a place or they're finding a place for her mom right. where like where she and friends and family could, could stay like a mm-hmm. place with a couple of guest bedrooms mm-hmm. where they could, you know, kind of turn that into wedding central. Yes. I just know, because she doesn't have a... I think she's an only child? I think so. Or she might have a half-sibling of some sort. I think she at least has some half-siblings. But I think if I was moving, like, to a completely different country, I would want, like, my sister or my mom to be coming with me to get their opinions on, like, where I'm going to live. Right. Or, like, yeah, especially if they're looking for a place for her mom. Obviously, Megan's going to have opinions about it. Yeah. And well, yeah, or your mom is going to be like, I'm staying here. Yeah, I'm going to be I'm going to be like coming over here, you know, for important events. And so to be a grandmother. Yeah. Well, or <laughs> even just, you know, to stay with Megan for uh, wedding preparations. And so mm-hmm. she'll want to make sure that whatever bedroom she's being, you know, it's like yeah. on House Hunters. You yeah. never see just a single person looking for a house on House Hunters. It's always like even if they're a single person or looking for one bedroom, right. they've always got their friend or their yeah. mom. Mm-hmm. So. That's probably what it is. Just someone to bounce ideas off of. Right. So apparently her mom also met Harry. So whether or not that was the first time, but definitely yeah. exciting that kind of these things are, seem to be adding up that there's an engagement. Yeah. Happening if it hasn't happened already. Right. 
I mean, you know, the saying where there's smoke, there's fire. Well, yeah. the smoke is getting a lot thicker. It's, mm-hmm. um, it's not just me idly dreaming that they're going to show up someplace together. We have confirmation that they went on a very, what I expect to be a very romantic trip together. Uh, her mom was in the same city as him. There's lots of, lots of things mm-hmm. coming out about it. And the, um, Daily Star tabloid in, uh, England, let me pull up this article. They are reporting that they're, they're not, they're kind of, they're putting this through. Has, their headline is, has Harry popped the question? Pals claim Prince and Meghan Markle are engaged. And so, of course, they're doing, they're avoiding their lot, covering their butts by saying, friends say that they're engaged. They're not just saying it. Yeah. <laughs> Unlike this other article that I'm not even going to give credence to that's like, they're pregnant. And it's like, what? No, no, they're not. <laughs> well, or if if they ever were, conceivably, it's not going to be broken by like a weird Australian fringe gossip site that has no. like weird, like doesn't have like an author in the title. It's yeah. not going to happen. But yeah, this uh, article has a lot of interesting information. It claims that um, instead of coming back with a ring... Megan will be coming back with a um, a bracelet, um, which are called they call meaningful Zulu betrothal bracelets. They do currently wear bracelets that are oh the, the matching yeah that are matching, and so I think this is probably just a case of an, a reporter just saying like oh there's a seventy five percent chance that they'll be wearing bracelets when they get back so let's just like project this out yeah, and that's say a that's engagement what engagement bracelet yeah and I mean it's not saying that it couldn't be a, a really nice symbol of their love for each other but I also just don't think like where why would they have leaked that information mm-hmm. any friends so I don't know but it yeah they also said love ecstatic Megan called her mother on FaceTime to break the news as soon as they returned and it's Ooh, like, how do you know? Anyway. Yeah. So, and they say, pals say the couple will celebrate with friends at an engagement party when they return home. Jeez. They're really getting the scoop if this is right. Yeah. And I don't think it is. I don't think so either. I think that we won't know until, you know, because it's not like she's going to, like, get off the plane and she's going to be wearing, like, a sparkly ring and stuff. Like, yeah, they're not going to do that. No, they're going to do a traditional announcement, mm-hmm. a la Will and Kate. Yes. And it just depends when that comes out. And I, they also claim here, because they've only been dating for a year rather than the, quote, royal tradition of dating for two years, it says, Harry is said to have broken the royal tradition before becoming engaged, or of waiting two years, before becoming engaged to ensure that his grandfather, Prince Philip, 96, can enjoy the wedding. Which, I mean, I would say it's more like, you know, Megan's 35 and Harry's on the record as saying he wants kids and, right. like, gets this show on the road type thing. And also the two-year thing sounds like BS. Especially yeah. for, like, as you might, as you'll learn for Princess Anne and, like, um, and, yeah, Charles and Diana. Like, would they date for, like, nine months? yeah. Yeah, I think it is just, yeah, royal tradition of dating for two years. Well, if you're Will and Kate and you meet in university and you're 20, yeah, Mm -hmm. you should date for at least two years before becoming engaged, (laughs) you know? It's a little bit different when you're older and you have a better, clearer idea of the kind of person you want as a long-term partner. Right. And I say this as a person who dated her husband (laughs) for 10 years before getting married (laughs) or so, 10 years or so, a little bit less than that. But that was exciting news. Meg Tyndall, who is Zara Tyndall, the queen, um, Princess Anne's daughter, in fact, 
Um, he, her husband. Yeah, Mike her Tyndall husband. is the rugby player yeah. who is married to Zara uh, Tyndall Nay Phillips, who is Anne's daughter. All right. Yes. Thank you. We'll get to that thank later. Um, but yes, he was um, being interviewed. He was just being asked a few different questions about uh, lots of other things. And then they asked, you know, just about if he had met Megan and what they what he thought about her. He hasn't met her, but he did say that he thinks that she'd be a good fit, um, you know, part of the royal family. You know, obviously he is, he was, he's a very famous rugby player. Um, so he had that kind of scrutiny and, you know, you know, spotlight on him. But I mean, he was still, yes, a very, he, he was a normal person. Yeah. A non-royal. Uh, yeah. A, a non-royal. A commoner. And the same. So he kind of felt like he pretty much said that because Megan has been in the spotlight as an actress and has already had that type of scrutiny on her, she'll handle this role really well. So Yeah. And it's, he looks forward to meeting her. Well, and that's another thing. It's it's when somebody, when other relatives start commenting and not just being like, I don't, I have no idea or no comment or whatever. Right. When they start genuinely being like, sure. Like, yeah, I think she could handle it. Like, that to me signals more like everyone's taking it seriously. Mm-hmm. Like, if it were, you know, 10 years ago and Harry is in his, you know, early 20s. Yeah. So he's like, ooh, do you think he's ready to get married to uh, his girlfriend? Whoever that was at the point, that mm-hmm. point, I'm sure they would have been like, "What? What are you talking about?" You're like, "I don't know." Um, she, I'm sure she's a lovely girl. Yeah, uh, I haven't <laughs> met her. That's and they would draw a line yeah. there. Yeah, like, um, and that's it. No further comment. You know. Yeah. So. So yeah. So I was surprised that he actually. I know they're not working royals in any way, but I'm sure that. I'm sure they still have the whip cracked on them oh, when it comes to sure. like uh, saying things. Like their grandma is still. At least his in-law is the Queen of England. Yeah, like, you still want to... You don't want to be written out of that will. Right. You want to get that china <laughs> or whatever that you're going for. Or maybe one of these rings that we're about to talk about. I know. Segway. Um, so then a couple of uh, different publications published articles that were pretty much just an excuse to publish pictures of fancy rings we know that are in the royal family's possession and they're really asking what ring should or would Harry use. I was super confused because the Glamour magazine, uh, the U- Glamour magazine UK articles starts with option one, Princess Diana's ring, which is like, and then they're like, no, that's not a possibility. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. okay, you just wanted an excuse to post it. Yeah. I'll always take an excuse to look at the ring though. Right. Um, the second option they present is what they call the Queen's ring. And that would be her engagement ring. Um, and But then they said the queen is often spotted wearing this ring, so she may not be willing to give it up just yet. And it's like, I don't think she would. No. Usually people don't give their, like, if you, if you get your grandmother's ring or something, it's usually not while that person is still alive right. and while their spouse is still alive. It usually like, happens in, like, Hallmark movies. Yeah. Where they're like take it sunny yeah like <laughs> but even then i mean you could see it maybe if the you know grandfather had passed away or mm-hmm. you know sometimes marriages end and it just ends up right. like that they no one's using it mm-hmm. but i don't think they're she's gonna like just give that no. and then the third one they said is lady elizabeth bow's lion's ring aka the queen mom yeah and it's sapphire ring with diamond accents and there's a picture but it's like i can't tell really what it is it doesn't look sapphire in the picture is it this one this is a black and white photo oh i'm looking at the other article oh yeah that probably is it i'm sure this is very helpful yeah 
<laughs> well, you can go to this. This is on Glamour yes. Magazine. Just search for Glamour Magazine. And then they say option four is the da uh, the Daily Star have suggested that Prince Harry had a 100,000 pound engagement ring made from a piece of Princess Diana's jewelry. And that I don't think is too outlandish. I mean, I don't know about the cost, but yeah. using a piece of his mother's jewelry to make a ring. Right. It wouldn't surprise me. Oh, absolutely not. I think that, yeah, William got, you know, the original, you know, sapphire ring for Kate, but I think Harry would also just feel that he would want something that would connect and bring his mother into, you know, this next phase of his life as well. Right. So I could definitely see something like that. Yeah. Um, I like this Queen Mother's pearl ring. Yeah. I could see... I could see Megan wearing that. Yeah, so this is a, from the People Royals article that talks about rings, and they pretty much list a lot of the same that I just said from the Glamour one, but they show a picture of the Queen Mother wearing a pearl ring, and it's a really beautiful ring. You don't think of a pearl ring too often, or if you do, you think of it as a solitaire mm -hmm. type thing, and kind of high up, and this is really, I don't know, I think really beautiful and mm -hmm. low set and... I could see Megan if she wants to go a less traditional route. Right, and that's what like struck me is I was like, I feel like they do have they do want to set that that you know precedent and at least as far as her personality that they are slightly untraditional. Yeah. Um and so that would be a good way to use, you know, something that's obviously a family memento, but also still I think more in line with her personality. Yeah, I don't picture her having like an insanely huge rock. I like not a Kim Kardashian style no. gigantic piece of jewelry. Yeah, especially if it's something that Harry had specially made. Right. Like, it would only be because it's, like, that's the way it looked when I received it. Right. It's not like Kate was like, yes, I would like a 23 carat sapphire. Right, which is actually Princess Diana. Yeah. Is, that's exactly right. what she picked out because she was 20. Right. And she was like, ooh. I mean, she had the impulse that a lot of us would yes. have had, which is like, I get to pick whatever I want. Great. Let's do this. Yeah. Um, well, and there's another suggestion they have on this People Royals is a Princess Diana aquamarine ring, and it's a gigantic, it looks like emerald cut aquamarine, and it, it looks, it's, it's huge. Uh -huh. And so that's a thing, like, it's beautiful. I love aquamarine, but mm -hmm. I don't see Gorgeous. this as being what she wears. Yeah. But I could be proved wrong. Then they end with talking about how the wedding band will be of Welsh gold, which is, I think, something we're mostly confident about mm -hmm. at this point because that's tradition and has been since uh george the sixth and the queen mom so mm -hmm. yeah yeah so i'm excited to see how it turns out and what it will look like because yeah it could go a lot of ways but yeah i like the idea if he did use a part of his mother's jewelry it yeah. would seem to be fairly appropriate and something that they would do right all right and now we have a surprise segment for caitlin <gasps> Um, we compile our news links on a Google Doc, and I waited until the absolute last minute to add this one and then deleted it because I didn't want to give anything away. So you may or may not have seen this, but it's from the the depths of the internet. Okay. The, the, it's not... It's, the dark, oh, it's, it's our friend, the Daily Star, again. Okay. Okay. <laughs> As is typical when two people are... Marriage is projected for two people, they hired an FBI forensic person to come up with a composite image of what their children may <laughs> look like in the future. Oh gosh. Please, please everyone find this. I don't know. Maybe we'll post a link in the show notes, but I also kind of don't want to give them clicks, but it's, <laughs> it's insane. So Caitlin, okay. I have blown up the picture on my <laughs> iPad and here's what I they say wait. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's children will look like. <laughs> 
terrifying. I know. It's so not right. No, it's so creepy looking. <laughs> oh it looks God. so creepy. Like, that is in no way what. Oh, so, God. Okay, they this don't... looks like out of a horror movie. Yeah. It's like, okay, so there's like this one child. First of all, they don't even look like like there's any amount of like a, ch- a person who's also black. No, I know. No. Uh, the, the, and the <laughs> URL for this is yeah. also insane. It says, um, it's a uh, daily startup. It's Megan. Hold on. I have to see if I can find this. It's Megan, Harry, baby children look like pregnant, engaged race, ethnicity. That's oh the URL God. link. Which like what? Oh my gosh. Okay. Which I mean like, okay. It's, that's yeah. that's another reason I'm kind of like, I don't want to give these people clicks. Right. But these look like <laughs> horror movie <laughs> dolls. It looks like, it's the Uncanny Valley, um, like but like Death Valley. Yeah. It is terrifying. Yeah. There's like one... Like, I assume these are boys. I don't well, know. Well, I think that's a, boy. supposed to be a boy oh, and supposed to be a girl. But, yeah, there's, like, one who's, like, a to- like a, ba- a newborn or maybe, like, six months, like, just kind of laying there. And then... With, like, weird brown hair and then, like, kind of greenish eyes and just, like, weird look on its face. And it's clearly just taken, like, the mouth of Harry and the nose of Meg. Like, it's yeah. clearly, like, photoshopped yeah. real creepy. Yeah. And then there's a, like, taller person, like, a bigger child who's, like, two and a half, and they based it off of the Prince George oh, and Princess Charlotte okay. photo. Okay. But it's creepy out of context. That doesn't come first in the story. It comes second. Okay. So you're like, why are they doing it like this? So they're right. trying to recreate And one. it looks like the redhead's about to eat yeah. the the smaller the child. Purport, the sizing is not at all proportionate. Like, that baby's head is, like, insanely <laughs> bigger. It's so creepy, guys. Yeah. It's so creepy. Okay. <laughs> How did you find this? It was on a link, so I will give a shout out to um, Jezebel, um, did a fantastic thing that's um, titled Prince Harry to Marry, and they, um, it pretty much starts with the Daily uh, Star article, and then it says, but how expensive is the ring? How hot is Meghan, and is she hot enough to deserve him? See slideshow? And how soon can we have royal babies? And most importantly, will they come out like the composite photos? And a lot of those things have hyperlinks. And so I followed a lot yeah. of those to um, <laughs> to the stories. Um, but, oh, God. Oh, it's creepy. And I need to exit out of this yeah. tab yeah. because I'm going to start my iPad and it's going to scare the crap out yeah, of me. Yeah, that is out of a horror movie. They will have beautiful children. And those were creepy. creepy. No, I've never seen a baby look like that in my life. No. I will say my grandmother... <laughs> is the only person I've ever heard insult a baby. Like, she um, apparently would say, like, that baby's just homely about babies. And it's like, okay, Grandma, and we're like, what? And she's like, it's just homely. I None of my grandkids were ever ugly. And it's like, okay. Like, they all, I mean, babies just always kind of look like babies right at the beginning. Yeah. But they don't look like wolves. No, they don't. No. So I hope that Harry and Meghan don't see that because... Yeah, or I hope they got a good laugh out of yeah, it. Yeah, if they do get a yeah. good laugh out of it, but... Also, I hope I didn't give you nightmares. No, it's okay. <laughs> it's been kind of creepy. Like, I'll never look at the picture of George and Charlotte looking at I know. Again, because it'll just remind me of the picture that you just showed me of these this toddler who wants to eat a baby. Yeah, it's creepy. Yeah. It's so. real creepy. But yeah. So click at your own Super risk, creepy. I guess. Mm-hmm. <sighs> All right. Well, I think that was everything that we had. Yeah. So are we ready to dive into our more in-depth I topic? Think so, yeah. So we, um, so yeah, so we kind of split out parts of uh, Princess Anne's life. And yeah, we'll kind of, we'll kind of start at the beginning as and one does. Caitlin's going to take us from there because she had that fantastic book. Yes. Um, which surprisingly is not an ebook I could check out from my, the comfort of my home. No. Um, 
And so she'll start with that. Then I'm going to take us a little bit into her um, career, early career as an equestrian, and then talk connected to that about her uh, relationship with her first husband and their wedding. Then Caitlin's going to take us on to the second uh, wedding and relationship. Spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> the first one doesn't end well. And then we're going to wrap up by jointly talking about one of the most interesting events, I would say, in Princess Anne's life. Mm -hmm. And one that had huge ramifications for the royal family and how the media and how like news about them is reported. Mm -hmm. All right. So yeah, so from the beginning, um, so yeah, so Princess Anne Elizabeth Alice Louise. Yeah, so she was born on August 15th, which is kind of how we got the idea yeah. to do this this week. Because if you're listening this week in August, she is born tomorrow for us. Yes, we're recording on the 14th, yeah. and so tomorrow will be her 67th birthday. Yeah, so I hope you she enjoys this gift that we are giving her a spotlight on mm -hmm. her. Uh, so it was apparently, according to my book, Princess Anne, a royal girl of our time, it was apparently a very hot day, or hot at least in London terms, which is like... Probably 80, 70 degrees. Yeah, 75 <laughs> degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so and, and in the book they said nobody was apparently in London because it was so hot, mm -hmm. and they were often to the moors, the highlands, or their country estates, all except... Princess Elizabeth, now Queen Elizabeth. Right. And the Queen Mother. Because they were welcome, they were getting ready to have a baby. Yeah. So um, this, she was still Princess Elizabeth at the yes. time, right? Okay. Yes. So Queen Anne was the, or Princess Anne, I mean. We keep saying Queen Anne. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Princess Anne. Yes. Is the, was her last child to be born. Before. Before she ascended to the throne. Right. Um, and so she was born, Anne was born, and she was welcomed into London society, even though apparently no one was there. Um, from booms of cannons in Hyde Park. Ooh. There was church bells ringing. Uh, uh, well, and let me correct you. When you say no one was there, you mean like none of none the, the, like, None rich of the people. aristocracy was there. Yeah, like. I was going to say, the normal Londoners were caring about their yes, days. And exactly. sweating their minds out on the tube and trying to just... Right, exactly. You know, carry forward. But exactly. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, so she was welcomed with great pageantry, but no one, as no one really knew what was going on, because they knew, obviously, that you know, the, the Princess Elizabeth was pregnant and expecting a baby. Mm -hmm. But no one really knew until, um, obviously, they made an official announcement. But also, hilariously, um, there was a car that had the royal standard driving down the mall. And in it was the Queen Mother. And she would roll down the window and be like, it's a girl! Oh, yeah, that's so cute! <laughs> I didn't know that. That's hilarious. <laughs> Imagine just like minding your own business, yeah. walking down the street and being like, you know, me, I'm thinking somebody's going to roll down the window yeah. and say, pardon me, do you have right. any gray poupon? But they're not. It's no. the queen mom and she's announcing the birth of her granddaughter. Exactly. So all these just, you know, you know, what, people were just walking around post, you know, World War II doing their, it's a hot day and the queen mother is just rolling up and telling them that she has a girl granddaughter. Yeah. She's very excited and, and then drives away. Mind you, I don't know, did they have air conditioning in cars that, in oh, royal cars gosh. at that point? Probably not. Regular cars, they sure did yourself. Yeah. I so don't know. She's dedicated to spreading the word. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of how Anne was welcomed into the world. Um, and from there, it's kind of a, it's a very typical royal childhood, you know. Um, she's often compared to being her father's daughter. Yeah. Um, because she's known as no-nonsense, very blunt. Sporty. Sporty, yes. Um, she and her father went sailing a lot as mm -hmm. a child. And, uh, yeah, she it constantly is, comparisons are made to her and her dad a lot. I, as the child that Prince Charles never was. Right. I was going to say, 
speaking of the crown, um, one of the things that was, I just remember from season one is Philip, uh, there's a scene where they're at a river fishing and mm -hmm. Philip is, and so Philip is showing Charles and Anne how to fish and Elizabeth is just watching and uh, Charles is like, oh my God, I got a fish. And he's like, kind of like freaking out, like, but like how a normal child mm -hmm. would freak out when they yes. got a fish. And then they get it. And then Anne, like, is just over there, like, just pulling fish out and just, like, being like, all right, get on with yeah. it. And, like, <laughs> carrying on. And he's saying, like, oh, they they switched. Which it's like, Philip, toxic masculinity is only you're ruining your own relationship with your son and right. your daughter. You're projecting, sir. Indeed. <sighs> yes. Anyway. Uh, but, yeah, so as her mother and her father were obviously very important people, um, she was often, you know, left in the care of a nanny. And um, who weren't sometimes very nice, but she was so spunky that they changed nannies a couple times oh. um, to kind of find the right person for her. But one of her most vivid memories she remembers is that um, she would, she and Charles would ride their tricycles around Buckingham Palace, and the Queen, would, her, their mother now, um, would get throw a fit because they were they were ruining these carpets that had been laid down in Queen Victoria's time. Yeah. But Prince Charles or Prince Philip would just be like, no, no, just keep being children and like, yeah, keep going. Though I would yeah. argue that I was not allowed to ride a high school when I was a kid. So you know, yeah. being kids, but like you can still like enforce some rules. Right. It's not like lay they down, didn't have a nursery, right? Or lay down right, some like cheaper carpets on yeah. top of it. In a rec mm -hmm. room. I don't know. Yeah, so apparently some of the carpets got ruined. Um, but yeah, so Queen Anne, or Anne was about 18 months old when her grandfather, George VI, died, which led to her mother ascending the throne. And she was not, um, Anne was not allowed to attend the coronation because she was an 18-month-old. Right. And Good foresight. Yes. You don't so, know what they're going to do. Right. I mean, I imagine it would have been adorable. Oh, like, for sure. Can you imagine if they had like a little toddler cape? for her because you know how everyone which, wore like those big red like, yeah. long robes which when i was in a disaster when i was in england last year um at buckingham palace they had uh certain like items of clothing from the queen's wardrobe mm -hmm. um out like in a museum setting and of the things that you could look at were the dresses that princess elizabeth and Princess Margaret wore to their father's cool. coronation, and they were so small. Aww. And you're just like, oh, they're so cute. Because yeah, they had like yes. little ermine robes and stuff. And Aww. yeah, so it would have been even smaller. Yeah. But yes, babies are loud mm -hmm. and at inopportune times. So yes. probably good, good idea to not have mm -hmm. the 18 month old there. Yes. Um, and as we discussed earlier, she, you know, she was kind of seen as a tomboy and a very, she's, she's a very daring person. Yeah. Um, one of the stories they talked about was that uh, Prince Charles got some boxing gloves from Prince Philip as a gift. And there was two pairs of them, so they both had boxing gloves, her Prince okay. Charles and Princess Anne. <laughs> and um, they ended up having to be separated because they pretty much beat the shit out of each other. <laughs> much that Prince Charles went to ha, was starting school and he he went to school with a few less teeth. Oh my gosh, but they were baby <laughs> teeth, right? Yeah. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah, he was like a child, like still yeah. Like, yeah. So I thought that was super funny and um and in addition to, you know, that she's also a person who she she shoots guns, she's driven in a tank before. Yeah. And she often want and she would t and she talks about it a lot. Yeah. That she she's been in a tank. Yeah. And I would much, talk and about it. And she would it. much prefer to talk about that than dresses. Yes. She is very much focused on the aspects of being a princess that she likes. Yeah. And she doesn't really want to talk about the other incidental parts. No. No. Um, and we'll talk more about uh, her career as an equestrian 
and her role in that in a bit. But I mean, that I imagine played a large role in her sporty youth growing up is mm-hmm. riding a lot yes. and learning all the skills necessary to mm-hmm. later succeed. Um, and then the last thing I just wanted to talk about was just that um, even though she, um, oh, here we go. Sorry, I lost my spot. Is that even before, so she became kind of a working royal around the age 20. Um, as she, she did several tours with her parents and everything. And so people got to know her that way. Um, she was also a trendsetter, even though she does sometimes still get made fun of for her clothing and what she wears. Um, for example, one time she was in Africa with her parents and she wore one of those like Stenson hats, like those big wide brim. She still wears very wide brimmed hats today. Yes. Um, it was like a white hat and she wore a scarf around it. And apparently it became, after she did that, it was showing up. Ooh, in the fashion? Yes. Yeah. So, you know, if you ever wear a hat like that, you just know that. It was all because of Anne, Anne, yes. Yes. (laughs) So, yeah, that was kind of her her really young years. And um, so she faced a lot. Uh, One of the other things they talked about was that she also fell off a horse. Oh. When she was um, younger, about 18 or 19. Okay. And she ended up breaking her nose. And so she does have, you can kind of tell that it has been broken, but she did have it reset in a way, but the magazines had started to just go, oh, because plastic surgery was starting to be kind of a, a, thing. a thing. And so they were just like, oh, did she get it? Did she get it? Well, and she was under that type of scrutiny and had to. That's annoying because yeah. a lot of people break their nose mm-hmm. and plastic surgery. Yeah. They get plastic surgery technically because they broke their nose right. and it might look completely like bent. If, if yeah. it's allowed to heal without being restructured. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of kind of a lot of right. pressure that she was under. Mm-hmm. She would, did she, Where did she go to school? So she went to, she was the first um, to be, to go to an actual boarding school okay. in England. I don't have the exact name, but she, that's, she only went up through 18, you're like, you're seven, or like to 17 years old. She never went to college or anything like that. She became a, a even though she does have some honorary degrees, she is a doctor. Ooh, Dr. Anne. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Dr. Anne. Princess Anne. Where yeah. does the honorific go? But that's interesting because, you know, she must have been then the first female royal who received a more traditional education mm-hmm. when there's the shift from just, like, the aristocracy having governesses. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Princess or uh, Queen Elizabeth she didn't receive more or education than from a governess and then her le- random other lectures and subjects. But that shows that it's what, something that'll probably happen for Princess Charlotte eventually mm-hmm. is getting sent off to school. Because it's not like with Princes William and Harry where you're like, yeah, they'll go to Eton mm-hmm. and all this stuff. So it'll be interesting to see yes. how that goes forward. Though I... Wouldn't doubt nowadays that Princess Charlotte, if she wants to, she'll definitely get to go to college. Yes. <laughs> times are different, you know? Absolutely. And, I mean, I think it's just kind of expected that you, if now, especially since, obviously, William went, that right. George and would it, probably go. And, yeah. And Kate. Yeah. Yeah. So, we'll see. But, yeah, so I think she, yeah, she's kind of that first princess who had to deal with some press scrutiny versus, like... Like Queen, like Queen Elizabeth, when she was younger, there was a war going on. I mean, there right. was austerity. She wasn't like out. She wasn't out partying. She wasn't out 
in the meadows riding horses and getting annoyed by photographers and stuff like that. Like, there was a war going on. Right, and there was still the the whole idea that the royal family was off limits was still kind of more in place mm-hmm. at that time. You, It kind of really shook a lot more right after Queen Elizabeth was or she became queen because Mm -hmm. yeah, that's when the press was like, well, we don't have wars to report on. And people really like hearing about these two young Royals um, who are both beautiful. And if we publish pictures of them, speculation about them, it will make us a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, Anne had to deal with that. Um, But Anne, uh, like we said, had a lot of success in her own realm of uh, horse riding. She was, you just said she was described as a horsey person. Yes. yes. In this book. Yes. Like eight times at least. Yeah. There was, yeah, several times where they're just like her, her, her favorite horsey people as a horsey person. Who yeah. wrote this book? Oh, is it like oh, published yes. with this? Oh, that is a great question because it's actually pretty interesting. So this book was written because she got engaged. Okay. To um, Mark, Mark Phillips. Mark Phillips. And so she did have the, she did have some, like, she posed for this photo okay. for this book. So she did have input and everything in this book. And it is really written oddly, not only because it's from, like, 1974, but because I think she did have, to an extent, some, you know, oversight on it. Ooh. Um, I'm looking at the picture on the back. Oh, Sorry yes. to interrupt. She but- are, yeah, there's some good photos. Like, I will, you should take a look. Like, she has some good hair here. And, like, some oh my really, God. like, I want this outfit. Yeah, that's a super like cute, a cute. It's a chartreuse mini dress. Yeah, or yellow. I can't tell. There's. Yeah. it's kind of dark in this room. This book and... also smells terrible. Oh, but... like like cigarette smoke. Like old book. Oh. Would you like to smell? Yeah. yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> Yikes. Well, so, see if your library yeah. has a copy. Do they have the card catalog still in here? I want to see. If they, they have like, and see, that's the thing. That's what made me think. I was like, it was. I think they covered it up, but I think yeah. Like, see, like 1979 was the last time it was written. Yeah. That it had been, like, <laughs> checked <laughs> out. Checked out. So I thought that was super funny. But yes, good question, because I was, I meant to talk about that. So this book is written by Anne Matheson, and she has been a um, royal, like, reporter, or was a royal reporter, and she um, followed Queen Elizabeth, Princess Elizabeth, a lot on a okay. lot of her tours. In fact, she claims at the beginning of the book that she was the first person to curtsy to the queen, because she actually was there in Kenya. When she came oh, down oh, from the, okay. um, came down from the the hut or like yeah. the, the the outpost that they had spent the night in when before anyone and this was before anyone knew that her father had died. Right. Okay. So she didn't know she was curtsying to the queen. Right. She thought she, she was curtsying to Princess right. Elizabeth. But incidentally, exactly. the king had already passed away, and so she was curtsying to the queen. Exactly. Okay. So that's kind of her. So I thought that was really interesting. If if it's true, which I imagine it is. I don't know. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if that so, was the case. So, yeah. So, she's just a, a royal reporter. And, uh, yeah, she's been to lots and lots of the weddings. Um, like she had talked about, she had been to five royal weddings before she even attended Princess Anne's. So, okay. Yeah. So, that was kind of how this book was created. And, yeah, it was created because um, she was going to be marrying... Mark Phillips. Mark Phillips. I'll get to that in a second. Yeah. But going on to a brief interlude about her equestrian career, because the two are kind of tied together. Mm-hmm. So um, she, Anne was very good at uh, riding horses. And as part of that is um, she uh, participated in what are, is called the European Eventing Championships in 1971. And she was 21 years old at that time. And she won a gold medal there. Um, she returned back in 1975 to the European Eventing Championships and won two silver medals 
And she then went on to be a member of the equestrian team for the 1976 Olympic Games in Montreal um, as a representative of Britain. And so first I'm going to go over what eventing is because I have no idea. Yeah. I've ridden horses a few times in my life, but never fancy ways, more just like let's ride along a weird trail in the suburbs of Minnesota. <laughs> and um, so eventing is pretty much like a horse triathlon is how I would oh, okay. do this. And so it's the, the same person and the same horse are in a pair. So if, you know, they're always, they're competing in all three events together. It's not like you can ride one horse for one event and another horse for a different event um, or have people swap in. But for teams, you can um, kind of, I don't know if it's that you can select who goes for what event, who and what horse, or if it's just your best cumulative score amongst the four people in all three events. I think it's the latter. Okay. But there are three events. Um, dressage, cross country, and show jumping. So dressage is, as we know, horse dancing. I was gonna um, say, I was like, why does that sound familiar? Yeah, because there's lots of jokes about it. Um, if you remember back when politics was a much more fun thing, even then it sucked, but it was more fun when Mitt Romney's w wife had a horse named Rafalka <laughs> that was competing in the London 2012 games. And he spent like $4 million to send Rafalka abroad. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that That's right. That's an amazing name. It is. And it's exactly what you would name a horse that does dancing, fancy dancing. Yes. But effectively what dressage is, it's having, it's the point of it is to show that you can, you and the horse are so in sync with each other that you can control the horse's movements and it's going like in a rhythm and in time and doing these like complicated things. There are some hilarious like, um, animated gifs that are out there which show like or, or or youtube videos that show like horses doing dressage to like and they've put like incongruous music behind it so like gangster rap or like something else like that which is pretty <laughs> funny um but it's mostly just showing that the horse can go through its paces and again it's more like control and precision um then the next part of it is cross country and that's kind of similar to cross country running in that it's an outdoor like bigger um a longer course and they are you're supposed to run the horse around it and jump over different fences of different heights and they're kind of sometimes disguised to look like logs so it's like supposed to mimic like if you were out riding in the country mm -hmm. and oh here's a small stream oh look a, a fallen tree like let's jump over all these things and you're scored on how fast you go and then also how many times like whether your horse hesitates um at at a uh at a fence or whether it refuses to go over the fence okay. at all. So, cause some of them are pretty high, some of them aren't. Um, and then the final um, event is show jumping. And that is kind of like cross country, but on a, a smaller course. And that's usually the one that you'll see and it's um, indoors in like a Coliseum type thing. Like if you've been to the Minnesota State Fair, they'll have show jumping competitions there where they set up, again, it's a bunch of fences in a ring and you just are supposed to go through them. It's kind of like also agility dog competitions, yeah. like, but with horses and the person's <laughs> riding the horse, not right. just like saying like jump. <laughs> again, it's scored based on how fast you go and how well your horse uh, jumps over the fences and their eagerness to do so. So she was very good at this. Um, one of the reasons that equestrian people don't know a lot about it is because it's not a sport that a lot of people 
can participate in. To get that good, you need to have quite a bit of money and quite a bit of leisure time <laughs> to uh, to spend on things. Because, I mean, to have a horse or multiple horses, um, yeah. you have to pay for stabling, all this different stuff. Um, the clothes alone are insane, like the sat and like the saddles and the reins and everything. It's very expensive, and then it takes a lot of time, and you have to also find the the correct personality between the horse and the rider. So, a lot of people, it's not it's not a sport for everyone. I'll say that it's fun to watch, though. I've watched it at the Olympics just when I'll have them mm -hmm. on in the background. Um, but one person who, uh, oh well, before I get to that, she was named uh, BBC Sports Personality of the Year in 1971, coming off her first gold medal at the European Eventing Championships. And so that really put her into the spotlight in a different way. Um, before, yeah, she was maybe in the spotlight because people were wondering whether she had a nose job or not. Right. Now she's there as a young woman at the top of her sport. And that's something that's pretty astonishing. It was, I think, uh, pretty unique to have a female royal be celebrated and be on the cover of newspapers for something that was... Uh, more physical, I don't know, like showing her physical prowess yeah. rather than just like, look at how pretty she is and right. all of this. And look at her crown, which a lot is, of there's hard nothing, work. right. There's nothing wrong with looking pretty and wearing a crown. I would love to wear crowns everywhere. Mm. I mean, probably, but, <laughs> but this was something that was her showing that she was a capable person and she had the discipline to, to be right. really successful at this sport and her horsey pursuits so to speak, are um, one of the reasons that she got together with her first husband, Mark Phillips. So Mark Phillips, um, he's originally from uh, Gloucester, um, and he was a horseman, and they met at the Munich Olympics, where Mark was part of the British team who won a gold medal for equestrian team eventing. That was at 1972. Yep. So Mark Phillips, before then, um, he was in the military. He was a member of the Queen's Dragoon Guards, which is the Welsh uh, Cavalry. I always have to make sure I don't say Calvary. Calvary. Yeah. So the cavalry. Cavalry. And he was a lieutenant at the time. Or, and, and he was a, started as a lieutenant, and then he eventually got promoted to captain. And then I realized... Captain Phillips, and then I laughed at myself <laughs> because then I just imagined Tom Hanks for the rest of this thing. So he, we're not too sure about what, there wasn't anything too revealing about his personality in the research that I did, um, except for that Prince Charles apparently called him Foggy because he was, quote, thick and wet. And I don't know. He might not yeah. have been, if you believe that, he might not have been the sharpest tool in the shed, but... He was very, very good at riding horses. So attractive. And he was very passionate about it. <laughs> You're like, he's very passionate about it. I'm like, he's attractive. He's attractive. Uh, see, I don't I don't know. I saw like a few pictures of him, and it might have just been that it was the 70s. Oh, are you going to show me in the I book? think so. I'll find one. Okay. He just looks very 70s. And, yeah. um, you know, there's not... It's just, it's just a look. Um... So he and Princess Anne announced their engagement in May of 1973, and they were married later that same year on November 14th, which also happened to be Prince Charles's 25th birthday, mm -hmm. which that was interesting to me because a lot of times when we're trying to think of like, oh, when is a good um, a time for a royal wedding? We're always like, oh, well, we can't do it then because it's so-and-so's birthday mm -hmm. or, you know, this other event is in the way. And now I don't think they're going to get married on like a day when trooping 
the color would be done. But apparently they don't mind scheduling a wedding on Prince Charles's 25th birthday, which <laughs> I don't know how Prince Charles felt about, about that. I don't but. know. I would kind of, I guess, at least from a perspective of like, cool, I get free drinks on my birthday. Yeah. But I guess he could do that. Whenever, because he's yeah. the prince. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I I think part of it might be he might not have wanted scrutiny. Like, there's two sides. Yeah, he might not have wanted scrutiny. So it's like when you're 25, I don't know, people start expecting you to act like an adult. And he maybe was like, yeah, sure, get married on my birthday. That's mm-hmm. fine. And I mean, it's obviously, I think that's probably a Saturday. Or, I don't know. It was declared a bank holiday, so... We'll see. Oh, I never even looked up this information. Whatever. We'll carry forth. So, um, the ceremony took place at Westminster Abbey. Like I said, the day was declared a bank holiday, and there was a traditional royal wedding service. And this was a ceremony that was broadcast on television, and it reached an estimated 500 million people around the globe. And I was going to look at how many people watched uh, Charles and Diana's and Will and Kate's, but I will keep talking while you Google. Yeah. Um, she wore on her, on her head, her tiara was the same tiara that her mother wore at her wedding. So that is the Queen Mary's fringe tiara. And so that was really nice and a good bit of continuity. It's, um, it makes sense because the bride traditionally wears the tiara of her family. And Mm -hmm. so it's a good bit of, I don't know, solidarity. It's her something old in her wedding and... I don't know. It looked really great. I love that tiara. Um, it's not, and I think it suited Anne really well because it's not fussy. Mm-hmm. It has no flourishes and flounces. It's just very geometric and streamlined. Yeah. Okay. I do have numbers. All right. Okay. So for Princess Diana and um, Prince Charles, it was an estimated 750 million people. All right. So that's um, more. Apparently, once you add it in radio, it's a billion. And then for William and Kate, it's been, they don't have an exact figure, but they believe it was 2 billion people. Yikes. Well, but there has been, dis- it's been disputed. Yeah. Obviously since, like. That's a lot of people. Yeah. Well, and it's a little bit, yeah, it's just, it's harder to quantify because, you know, back then there was like one channel you could watch it on. Right. And there was like <laughs> two options maybe. And now it's like satellite and all, all the mm-hmm. different options. Um, and also, like, I watched Will and Kate's wedding in my now husband's fraternity house common room because it was a music festival at his college. And so I made him wake up early and we sat on the couch and a pretty drunk freshman fell asleep on my arm. And because oh. he had been up all night, like, yeah. <laughs> and was like, yeah, I'll watch this. And then I was like, who are I? Hi, I haven't met you before. Yeah. And it was pretty funny. But. I don't still don't know who that person yeah. is, but there was a large crowd in the room is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So it's not like a family of four, you know, or the traditional like demographic it's, yeah. could happen in a larger space. Um, Anne's dress is a controversial one. Um, yes. It is the defining characteristics is on the front. It's very plain fabric. It's beautiful fabric, but it doesn't have any embellishment. It has a high neck. Um, and then it has these, uh, bell sleeves that are medieval sleeves, but which the, a Daily Mail article called Wizardy, which I appreciated. <laughs> I was looking, I was just trying that to find sense. good yeah. pictures of it. And I came across an article where they, um, in the run up to William and Kate's wedding and they were like, oh, these are the, the different dresses. 
And they, I like that that adjective was yes. used because it does. It looks like wizardy sleeves. She looks like a, a sorceress or a priestess I who's be gonna surprise. She she could own it. Yeah. Yeah. And then on the back there was um, an embroidered train, and it was very Tudor esque. Is what a lot of people mm-hmm. said. Um, it's supposed that she Anne had a lot of input into the design itself, uh, but the dress was designed by a woman named Maureen Baker who was the chief designer for a ready-to-wear label called Susan Small. And that was not a particularly well-known or or large brand in the UK at the time, and it didn't become one afterwards. She uh, operated, she continued uh, working and often made uh, customized dresses for Princess Anne. So I think Princess Anne really liked her and had a good working relationship with her. And I think she really got Princess Anne's style. Um, the only other thing that's worth remarking on her uh, appearance is her hair was nuts, in my opinion. Yes. It was very bouffanty, <laughs> and that's more. I the dress again. It's it's your choice of taste. You have a lot of limitations when you have to do a you know high necked. Back then, it, you couldn't do the Kate Middleton deep V. Right. You still had the sleeves, so you have a high neck and some sleeves. What are you going to do with it if you're a young woman and it's a uh, 1973 you're going to turn yourself into a, a witch who looks all ma- a glamorous <laughs> witch it's going to be amazing but yeah her hair is a little bit helmet like that's the worst thing i'll say <laughs> and it's kind of what she still does with her hair right yeah her hair has not changed all that much i think i feel like princess anne must have like difficult textured hair like for for like just kind of like frizzy and so i feel like she does battle with it and now she just is like whatever i don't care right she's i mean it's like just do what works get your hair out get it get it out of my face get to work yeah nothing to again nothing fussy she's not going to be a person who wants to spend three hours in a chair getting an updo Mm -hmm. and i don't blame her for that it's fun occasionally it would be a lot (laughs) to do uh every day so um Let's go through my notes. So this was only the second time in over 200 years that a member of the British royal family who was that close in line to the throne married a commoner. And the uh, queen mother was the only one who who was a commoner before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Mark Phillips, he did not have a title. He was offered an earldom, um, which is supposedly the tradition, but I don't know how they know what the tradition is if it didn't happen for 200 years. Maybe that was the tradition back then. But um, he apparently declined that because their children were born without titles. Um, He never accepted the title. And so without him having the earldom, their children couldn't use the titles that would like make them. So like an example is there's Princess Beatrice and Princess Eugenie. Mm -hmm. All right. Those are, uh, even though their mother was not royal, she accepted the honorific of the Duchess of York. Mm-hmm. And so they were able to style themselves princesses because, and also it's a little complicated because of the gender reversal. Right. Yeah. I guess that's a little bit different, but because of this, they couldn't have honorifics. Yeah. So I saw like that. You might so know I'm, more. Yeah. So I, so I read two different things, which were kind of conflicting and I couldn't quite get the right, but um, one person said that because, Anne, yeah, because Anne is a woman her husband would have to accept the title. Right, yeah. And that, he chose okay. not to. But someone also said that, like, it was the, it, that Anne just decided. 
Yeah. Like, I don't want my children being part. Or they Because we're not going to be the family that is, you know, the monarch. Because she was only really the spare, the second in, in line for, well, like, and nine by, years until her brothers, were, her two younger brothers were born. Exactly. Because, again, this was before they got rid of that pesky rule about gender yeah. and the, the line to the throne. So, mm-hmm. back when it was just Charles and Anne, she was you know, third in line to the throne. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden her two younger brothers are born and she's pretty confident at that point that she she will not be the future monarch of the realm. Mm -hmm. So she, I think, yeah, decided, well, and again, we don't know whose decision it really was, but Mm -hmm. ultimately her husband did not accept a a title. And so that meant her kids would be, would not have a title either. And so, immediately after the wedding, they went on a honeymoon on the yacht Britannia, and then they uh, retired to their new home, one of their new homes that the Queen gifted them, which was a a house called Gatcombe Park, which is in Gloucestershire, which makes sense because that's where uh, Mark is from, and it's near the town of Minchinhampton, which is a fun name, Minchinhampton. That is really fun. Um, and in 1974, Phillips, uh, Mark Phillips was made a personal aide-de-camp to the Queen, um, and that gave him a more formal role within the royal family. Uh, soon after that, uh, they had their first child, and it was a boy, Peter Phillips. This is in 1977. Peter Phillips, um, I'm not going to go too much into detail on the kids, yeah. but he um, is married to a woman named Autumn Kelly, who he met at the Canadian Grand Prix got married in 2008 and she had to convert from Catholicism because this was before they changed the rules and so it's possible you can convert from you don't have to be born Church of England so that's you know it's kind of like in the Princess Diaries too when she's like looking through her royal suitors yep and Prince William shows up. She's exactly. like, I accept, I accept. Yep, and, yep. Then, and then obviously. Yeah, they're like, no, no, mom. Like, no. Yes, you have to marry a Catholic. And she's like, no, damn you, Henry VIII. Yes. <laughs> um, and so they have two kids. Um, Savannah was born in 2010 and Isla born in 2012. And let me just say that those are such trendy names for those years. Yes. I was putting this together and I'm like, I have cousins who have children named with both of those names. Yes. And it's kind of funny because... Um, getting to Zara, uh, Peter's younger sister, Zara um, Phillips was born in 1981, and her uh, the person who chose her name was supposedly Pr- uh, Prince Charles, which is interesting because you know reading Anne's four names that she has, they're all very traditional, you know permutations of Elizabeth, yeah. Anne, Charlotte, Mary, all of Alice, all of these mm-hmm. very traditional names. And so Zara was kind of like, oh, this is a new modern yeah. name. I wonder, I think it might have been a family name, though. Yeah, I, I don't, don't remember who it was, but... Well, would it be in there? Because she was born in 1981. Yeah. Oh, it might have been a person. Like, yeah, like they mentioned, like I remember seeing something, but I'll, I don't remember 100%. But. Well, it. I mean, I just, when I hear the name but Zara, definitely, yes. I think of the... the of the clothing store and yes. also just Ara Phillips. Mm-hmm. Um, so she, in uh, July 2011, married Mike Tyndall, who we mentioned earlier in this episode, and he was a, a professional rugby player for um, Glo- Gloucester. And so he was, again, a commoner. And Autumn Kelly was also a commoner. Mm-hmm. But so these are people who, again, 
they don't have titles, so they can follow their hearts. Mm-hmm. Though they still did have to seek the queen's permission. I don't know if they did that because they had to or because they just wanted to. Um, I think I read that they had to get the queen's permission. I think permission. they did need to get her permission because they are, they're still in line. I yes. think because they are still, even though they don't have titles, they are still in line to be in the throne. Or right. at least within, I don't even know what number you get the cutoff for. Like, you're not important. But, right. Um, but yeah, they would need to get permission. Yes. And she has a daughter, Maya. I think it's how you pronounce it. That's what it looked. It looks yeah. spelled M-I-A, but I the pronunciation I saw was M-Y-Y-A. Okay. So, so it's Maya. not Mia. I thought, I don't know. Oh, okay. I think it's Maya. Okay. Um, she's three. And you may recognize her as the muffin who is holding her grandmommy's pur- or her great granny's purse in that yes. photo portrait <laughs> of all of the kids. And I yes. that made me almost fall off my chair. I know, she's so cute. She's such a sweetheart. Yeah, and we and we do see her at polo. We've seen her at a couple polo matches. Yes, getting um, chased by her uncles. Um, Because, yeah, Zara and William are actually pretty similar in age. So they grew up together and they're actually quite close. So, yeah, they, I, I, you don't really see Peter all that often, but you see, since he doesn't He's not as in the the spotlight. Right. Well, and Zara. one of the reasons you see Zara more frequently is she's a really accomplished equestrian mm-hmm. as well. And so she's out doing, you know, competitions and mm-hmm. uh, making appearances at those events. And mm-hmm. so there's just more, I think, chances to see her yes. out and about. Also, she's just more recognizable mm-hmm. um, to me, at least. Absolutely. Um, so that's the good news that came out of the... Uh, Anne and Mark Union. The less fun news was that they got divorced. Um, As came to light a little bit later in August 1985, uh, Mark Phillips had a daughter as had an extramarital affair with a New Zealand art teacher, which resulted in a daughter and that there was a paternity suit and it was confirmed that she was his child in 1991. Um, they had announced their separation in 1989 and they officially divorced on, uh, April 23rd, 1992. Um, though Mark Phillips has quite a bit of money. He apparently only got a small settlement. I didn't see a citation for that, but (laughs) you know, I think that might be, that wouldn't surprise me. Um, I don't think that the, the queen's lawyers aren't any slouches. And oh. or Princess Anne's lawyers aren't slouches. And when you've yeah. had a paternity suit rule against you um, in another court of law, I don't think you have much gr- much of a leg to stand on when somebody's oh. suing you for divorce. <laughs> and she is the princess royal at right. that point. So, <laughs> yeah, so he, he went on to have a couple more marriages. Um, and I don't know, yeah. he's still involved in, like, horsey pursuits, yes. as I said. And... Yeah. yeah, I think he lives in the States now. I think he lives in, like, Florida or something. Okay. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't get that far <laughs> that in I it. I might have been in the Wikipedia article. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> and I will say that my That's source awesome. for most of this is just Wikipedia and then the links that it sent me down. So, take everything I said with a grain of salt. Well, I did read the original BBC. BBC will um, publish, like, on this, uh, this day in, like, 50 years ago or 30 years ago or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and so I found a, a few articles like for, about their wedding mm-hmm. um, from then. Yeah. But for the most part, this was all uh, just information floating around on the wiki. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, Anne was destined to find love again. Ooh. Um, yeah, so even before she had been um, 
divorced or even announced um, that she was going to be divorcing uh, Mark Mark Phillips. There had been um, the son happened to get their hands on some letters, and um, these letters were uh, some love letters between her and um, a naval officer or who or a former naval officer who is now the Queen's equerry. Um, Rutro, yes, they um, love those equerries. These yes. uh, these uh, Windsor ladies yes. who uh, really want to go after. Yes. Um, yes, the equerry, um, which is a, they're just a group of military officers who help the queen and attend public functions and help make things run smoothly. Yes, and, and as Jenna's referencing, um, Princess Margaret also fell in love with one of the kings, her yes. father's equerries, Pete Townsend. Obviously, that did not end with a happy ending. Is so. it Pete Townsend? No, it's not. Pete it's Townsend like, is of the who? Dang it, Caitlin. Dang it. It's group Captain Townsend. Yeah, it's yeah, something it's Townsend. Townsend, but. <laughs> Townsend of the who. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Dang it. That would have been way more interesting. Yeah. That would have. Yeah. He also would have been maybe like 10 years old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if that. Even <laughs> okay. Anyway. Yeah. Anyways, I don't remember his name. Fact checking. We'll look it up later. But yeah, so. I'll look it up later. Right yeah, now. so she had apparently already been starting at least some sort of emotional affair um, Mm -hmm. before she um, had her divorce. And uh, Timothy Lawrence, who, yeah, he's a former naval officer and now equerry to the Queen, and he stopped being one in 1989 um, and continued his naval career. It is Peter (laughs) Townsend. I knew I wasn't an idiot. (laughs) I'm sorry, Caitlin. I'm sorry. But it is confusing. It's super confusing. I'm glad we cleared it up, though. Yeah, because, yeah. (laughs) I was like, please say that all that time watching The Crown wasn't... No, I know, but you just always... I just always heard him as, like, Group Captain Townsend. That's all he was referred to as... (laughs) But I guess I remember him being, like, Peter and stuff. But you never heard Peter Townsend, and so... Okay. And also, yeah, I'm sorry, my... uh, yeah, my first thought is always towards the who. <laughs> All right, carry on. But yes, it is confusing. Um, but yes, so they, yes, so these letters were stolen. We never heard the contents of them because the paper did not want to publish it because they were like, we're not, we don't, legally, we don't want to deal with this, which was kind of funny because I feel like today, yeah, those letters would have been published and they would have just dealt yep. with it. So we never knew the contents. The palace's um, only response was that, yes, there were some letters received um, Princess Anne did receive some letters from uh, Timothy Lawrence, and they didn't comment beyond that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, obviously, they there was the divorce was announced, and very shortly after the divorce was announced, um, Queen, Princess Anne got married. Yeah. Um, at the time, she wasn't um, at least at that time you weren't allowed to remarry if you were divorced. Right. In the Church of England, um, so um, Anne and. Uh, Timothy went to Scotland because they don't um, in Scotland. They went to Gretna Green. Yes. Sorry. Just like Margaret was considering doing yeah. with, with Pete Townsend. Yes. <laughs> no, that's I mean, I was, I joked to my yeah. husband that we were going to elope to Gretna Green yes. like uh, one of the looser moral characters in a Jane Austen yes. novel. <laughs> because that's where like Lydia is like, we're off to Gretna Green to get married. Yes. But then Wickham. Wickham never took her there. No. She didn't care though. No. She did not. Uh, but yeah, so in Scotland, they don't recognize wedding a marriage as a sacrament. So mm-hmm. you can marry someone who's been divorced. Um, so from there, I mean, essentially they, yeah, they kind of moved into, she kept her country estate, but now um, Gatcombe Park. And, uh, but now they live in St. James's Palace. They have an apartment there. Um, so, you know, she's, you know, still living with her brother. 
in a way. Yeah. In a very large palace. Yeah. Uh, and so Timothy Lawrence, like, he doesn't have, um, he is Sir Timothy Lawrence, but he doesn't also, he also never received a title or anything. And he's, um, he'll attend events with Princess Anne mm-hmm. um, and usually doesn't do solo events, but he actually just recently did an event without her. We just saw him a couple weeks ago at the Passchendaele. Uh, oh yeah, yeah um, because he's actually the, we didn't even mention him there because yeah. who I, who <laughs> who's that right um, and yeah and he was an intense because he's the vice chair of the Commonwealth for War Graves Commission so he's okay he's involved in it, it's very apt for him to be at that event because he's involved in War Graves <laughs> um, so yes they have had no children um, and obviously they are still together so good for them yeah so. Congrats. Yeah, and her second wedding dress is, I would say... Oh, was prob- there a picture? Yeah. Oh, I'm a dummy. No, that's okay. I was just Googling to see what he looked like. Yeah. Um, and it's a lot more, I think, her style. Mm-hmm. It looks... It's a, it's a white um, suit. It's got the same kind of turtleneck, which I think is interesting, tie into her original dress. Um, it's kind of like if you took a, a nice shift dress, knee length, um, but put long sleeves on it. Yeah. It's not too uh, form-fitting or anything. She has the same hairstyle, and she's got a bunch of flowers in her hair. Yeah. She knows what she likes. She knows what she likes. Yeah. And, it, yeah, I think it's a lot more low-key and a lot more her style, mm-hmm. I would guess. And, and her style, especially at this point in her life. Yes. Because I do think that her wedding, her first wedding dress is quite uh, reflective of her style. Mm-hmm. She's definitely the kind of person who's going to look to history to see what, like, what her idea of elegance is. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned she's a little bit more old-fashioned. She's not going to be the person who's out there doing super all-the-time fashion-forward crazy trends. Mm-hmm. Um, well, she actually might be, but it's because she's going into history for yes. it. You know, so she's going to look like a Tudor princess mm-hmm. instead of, you know, like an '80s bouffant sleeve crazy confection like her sister-in-law so uh so yeah so that's kind of her her story yeah uh as far as love um but one thing i did want to mention when we talk about her being old-fashioned she actually does have a penance for re for being a rewearer as far as her outfits and i'm not talking about like every couple years i'm like talking about like 30 years later she's sometimes still wearing the same dresses i mean i do it which is crazy if I could, yeah. I would do that. I mean, I, it's amazing. Like, it yeah. still fits her, obviously. Yeah. She obviously is still riding horses quite often. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. And I always like um, the pictures of her at the various, like, Trooping the Color and, mm-hmm. and other things where she gets to wear a uniform. Yes. Because she always looks so much happier when she's just like, sweet, I've got my sweet coat on. Yeah, because she always wears, she doesn't wear the female version of the uniform. She does wear the, the, men's, version. the men's version. Equality. So, I can wear pants girl. if I want to. <laughs> yeah. Well, before we get to some miscellaneous trivia, yes. which um, we'll end with, we're going to go through um, a more dramatic uh, story from her life. And I actually had never heard of this before... The um, a few years ago in 2014, it was the anniversary of when it happened. The I don't know how many years it had been. Oh gosh, do math, Jenna. It happened in 1974. So let's see, 2014 was three years ago. 40th anniversary. (laughs) There we go. Hi, I can do math. We did it. Yay! Watch, I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But the Smithsonian, I'm going to call this out at the beginning because it's a really interesting article. I'm going mm -hmm. to say a lot of the facts that are included in it, but it's yeah. super well written. Um, it's an article uh, written by Carrie Hagen, and it is called The Bloody Attempt to Kidnap a British Princess. Again, published in Smithsonian Magazine. I found it online um, in March of 2014. Mm -hmm. And so, I, again, had never heard of it until I think in a website I was reading did a, like a roundup of good reading, good articles yeah. that have been published over the last week, and this was one of them. And it's a very compelling and interesting story. So, Princess Anne was the, I mean, subject, she was almost or she was part of a kidnap attempt. Um, and this, like I said, was March 20th, 1974. So just after her wedding uh, to Mark Phillips. And on that evening at about 8 p.m., Anne and Mark were returning to Buckingham Palace after a charity event on Pall Mall. Um, and they were uh, in the car, they were in the back seat of the car, um, and then there was another bench seat that was facing them. And there um, in that seat was Anne's lady-in-waiting, Rowena Brassy. So she was sitting across from the couple. And then in uh, the driver's seat was the chauffeur, Alexander Callender, who was one of the Queen's chauffeurs. And then in the passenger seat was Anne's bodyguard uh, for the evening, Inspector James Wallace Beaton. And he was a member of Scotland Yard's special ops branch. Um, and that uh, branch... I can't remember. Oh, it's like the OS-14, I think. I didn't write it down. Sorry. Um, its main purpose is to protect uh, the royal family. Mm -hmm. You are right. I'm looking at the article okay. right now. So, um, and I remember, which I it took me a while to remember because I was trying to picture this. And there are pictures of the car itself um, online. Um, but in England, the driver's side and the passenger side are flipped. So uh, I'm going to describe some things and I'll try to be clear so you can picture what's happening. Um, but so the driver's uh, side, um, so so this five people are in the car and they were about 200 uh, yards away from uh, Buckingham Palace where they were going when a white Ford Escort um, forced sped in front of the, the car and they were in a car called the Princess 4. So Princess was a... Um, like a line of cars by the Austin company. And it just looks like a really fancy car. So like okay. picture a Rolls Royce. Okay. With like more curves though in the back. It's, I mean, I think they have very similar cars today that the Royals are driven around in. And this also had a Royal insignia on the car. Yes. So you could look at it and it wouldn't be necessarily super obvious that it was uh, a Royal. Like it's not the Queen's car where there's a flag flying above mm -hmm. it when she's in it which is amazing, yes. but it had um, the royal insignia on the doors, so it was recognizable as a royal car. So this white Ford Escort zooms in front of the uh, princess uh, car and, for, and and throws on the brakes, so this car that Princess Anne is in is forced to stop. And the bodyguard who's sitting in the passenger seat thinks at first that this person is a, a person with road rage. Um, and so that person gets out of the car and starts running towards uh, the princess's uh, vehicle and uh, then the bodyguard gets out to, to try to confront him and he is immediately shot in the right shoulder yeah 
because the guy who got out of the white uh, Ford Escort is has two handguns and he's running towards the rear of the car. Um, so Beaton, the bodyguard, he first tried to fire at the person and he, he had a gun because at the time, uh, all Royal Protection officers, they carried firearms, though it's not traditional for just your like typical London policeman to carry a gun at all times. But people who charged with protecting the royal family, yes. So he um, tries to shoot the guy. He's uh, right-handed. His right arm is injured, so he can't really do that with accuracy. And then the gun jams. So then this guy uh, starts, yeah, yeah. And interrupt me, by the way, yeah. as I go on here, because <laughs> I'm going to be doing a lot of talking. Um, and so then uh, the man gets to the, the door, the rear door of the car. Um, and so, again, thinking of the car and then flipping the driver and passenger seat. So the driver's side door is next to the curb. And sitting behind the driver is um, Mark Phillips. And then sitting, then so then there's the passenger side, and then Anne is sitting on that side of the car. So that's the one that's closest to the road and not to the curb. Um, and so this man, all of a sudden, he gets to the, the rear door of the car behind the driver's seat. So he gets to where... Um, Mark is sitting and he starts trying to open the door and Mark and Anne are on the inside holding the door shut trying to make sure that he can't open the door because this person is crazy and has a gun and has already shot one person and this is the good time to mention that the person who's doing this his name is Ian Ball he is uh, described as an unemployed laborer from North London and later it became quite clear he was suffering from mental illness oh definitely um, he had rented the Ford Escort a few days earlier under the name John Williams. And it was at this point not clear to anyone why this was happening. But they were able to piece it together after the fact. He seems very smart for a crazy person. Yeah, and that's... Uh, and <laughs> comments on that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so Ball is on the rear uh, right uh, door behind the driver's seat. And he's pulling on it and trying to open and as Anne and Mark are trying to hold the door closed, uh, Rowena, the lady-in-waiting, manages to crawl out of the door on the behind the passenger side. So she gets out. I don't know where she goes, but she's okay. Don't worry about her. She's not going to be... <laughs> I think she runs to safety. It's not clear from the article, or maybe I just didn't write it down. And so at when she gets out, Beaton, who has been shot, yes. manages to jump back into the car, and he jumps in front of Anne and Mark and is protecting them. Uh, Ball shoots into the car, Beaton deflects the bullet with his hand, and then is shot a third time. And this third injury forces him out of the car, and he is injured on the pavement. He's down. He's down. I'm not sure exactly when in the time, when in this time this happened, but the chauffeur, Alexander Callender, tried to disarm Ball, and so he got out of there, and, and um, he was shot in the chest. And so he is injured. Um, at this point, so there were the five people who were in the car and two of them have been shot. One of them has been shot three times. Um, one of them has managed to get away and the two people remaining in the back seat are Mark and Anne. And Ian Ball is trying to pull Anne out of the car and Mark is holding on to her other side and apparently like her dress tears, like she's fighting really hard. And Ball is telling her, you need to come with me. I'm kidnapping you to hold you for ransom. And like trying to persuade her 
like not making a whole ton of sense, but yeah. trying to say like, you have no, but you have to come with me. This is the plan. You have to come with me. And she apparently said to him, not bloody likely, <laughs> which is like amazing. And why I love I, Princess Anne I feel like so that much. sums her up. Yeah, yeah. She's like, no, I don't care if you have a gun and you've just shot two people in front of me, like, and you're trying to kidnap me. And not bloody likely that I'm getting out of this yeah. car. Are you kidding? Well, you, you're mad, which yeah, he is. For sure. Um, so obviously this is creating quite a bit of noise. There's gunshots, there's yelling, um, and four other people uh, got involved, they rushed to this scene to try to help. Um, the first person was police constable Michael Hills, a 22-year-old police officer who was in the area, and he thought, he heard the noises and thought it was people arguing over a car accident because why it would there would be? Like it. Yeah, I mean, there was some two cars pulled over and there was a lot of yelling. He didn't see any of the people who had been shot at that point. And so he walks up to Ian Ball and taps him on the shoulder and Ian Ball turns around and shoots him in the stomach. Hills is uh, very injured, obviously. Uh, and But he is able to uh, radio his, the police station. Mm -hmm. Um, the next person <laughs> is a man called Ronald Russell. He is, um, at the time, a cleaning company executive who's driving home from work. And he saw uh, Ian Ball confront Officer Hills and shoot him. And he said, not on my watch. And the thing about Ronald Russell is he was a six foot, four inch tall former boxer who <laughs> did not like it when he saw a police officer uh, get shot. And so he decided he needs to be sorted out. And so he <laughs> pulls over and gets out of his car um, and is rushing over there. Um, at the same time, a man named Glenmore Martin had parked his car in front of Ball's rental to try to keep him from escaping. So pretty much blocking in the, the Ford Escort so mm -hmm. that it couldn't speed away. Um, and when he tried to confront um, Ian Ball, then Ball aimed the gun at him. So he decided his best uh, efforts would be focused on helping Officer Hills, which he did. Then the next person to walk along is a Daily Mail columnist <laughs> named John Gosh. Brian McConnell. And uh, McConnell said he knew it was a royal family member in danger because of the insignia on the car. Because I bet you, uh, like, the Daily Mail only hires people who can spot the, the royal insignia at you know, a hundred paces. I like, would hope so. You know, oh, that's a Royals person. I should know where that car is going and what's happening. So uh, McConnell walked towards Ian Ball and apparently said to him, don't be silly, old boy. Put the gun down, which again is the most British phrase it ever is. when you're confronted with a gun. Don't be silly, old boy. Put the gun I down. Unfortunately, Ball was quite silly and he shot him. Um, so at this point, though, Ronald Russell gets to the fray and he punches Ball in the back of the head. Yay! Yay! Boxer to the rescue. And so Anne, uh, realizing that he was not, like, wreaking a lot of havoc, um, decided she would try to get out of the car because that would likely draw his attention away from the other people. So she jumps out of the car, um, pushing herself out backwards. And as uh, Ian Ball moved towards her, Ronald Russell came around and punched uh, Ian Ball in the, in the front of the face this time. And Anne, in that time, uh, was able to jump back in the car. At this, as this was all happening, more police were arriving. Obviously, Officer Hills had been able to radio his station, and they were responding with uh, a lot of speed <laughs> to this call. A lot more police were arriving on the scene, 
and Anne noticed that Ball was panicking. And so obviously when people are panicking, they do stupid things. But she decided to say, uh, go on, now's your chance. And so Ball took off running. Mm -hmm. Far away from her, which was good. Um, he started running through St. James's Park. And at the time, uh, there was a man named Peter Edmonds there. He was a de temporary detective constable who saw him run. And so Peter Edmonds took his coat off threw it over Ball's head, and then tackled him, which Yay! is quite effective. He's like, I need a net. Well, I'll just use this coat. Um, so Ball was taken into custody. Um, the police were able to search his car. In the car, they found two pairs of handcuffs, Valium tranquilizers, and a ransom letter that was addressed to Queen Elizabeth. Equally scary was that they later found out that Ball had rented a flat in Hampshire, about five miles from where Anne and Mark lived at the Sandhurst Military Academy. So, so he had clearly had an obsession with them. Um, and we'll get a little bit more into that later. But the, the ransom letter demanded that the Queen... This was where they kind of, I think, first figured out he wasn't all... I mean, besides just like the, the kind of disjointed way he was speaking to them, mm -hmm. this is where they figured out that he wasn't necessarily the... He, he had some kind of mental illness... Um, the ransom letter demanded that the queen pay him two million pounds in five pound notes. That makes I sense. I mean, two million pounds, okay, if you're doing a ransom, okay, that makes he more sense. He wants to roll around but, and throw it in the air. But five pound notes, that's a lot of five pound notes. Yes. He wanted the money delivered in 20 unlocked suitcases and put on a plane destined for Switzerland. Then he would get on that plane and then also Queen Elizabeth would show up in person to confirm the authenticity of her signatures on the paperwork and that the money was, was legit. So that's that's more like what is happening here? Like what's going on? I feel like you um, would have never gotten that money. Like how would he he have gotten Anne to Switzerland or like Well no, he was gonna trade Anne for for the money. Oh okay. I think he would then tell them where Anne was or something. Oh gotcha. I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I just know that there was a part, part where he thought that the queen was going to show up and be like, all right, then, yes, um, check, check, yep, this is my signature, here's two forms of ID, here's a notary public stamp, like... Here's your that, money. Here's your money, and that wasn't what was going to happen. So, in the aftermath of this, the British press didn't report a whole lot on the details of who Ian Ball was or really what his possible motives were. Uh, it was... Caused a lot of panic because this was really close to the Patty Hearst kidnapping. Um, a book I just read a book, the book American Heiress, that covers the Patty Hearst kidnapping, which um, is effectively the daughter of the heir to William Randolph Hearst's fortune, publishing uh, fortune, was kidnapped in um, California by the Sydney's Liberation Army, who were a fringe radical group that were like too radical for most left wing people and they kidnapped her and then they gave her Stockholm syndrome and then she robbed banks and participated in crimes that led to the death of multiple people. It's a lot. So, yeah. or maybe one, I don't know. But anyway, then she was, um, she went to jail and then she was acquitted by Jimmy Carter. And then she now is a out in living, but anyway, it's a very interesting story. But the whole thing of a, a young woman who is the daughter of somebody who's perceived to have a lot of power um, being kidnapped for political reasons, that was something that was at the forefront of a lot of people's minds. And so they were afraid that that was what um, his motives were. Mm -hmm. 
He says when he appears in court for the first time that he did it to get money for the National Health Service, specifically so they could get money to treat mental illness. Mm -hmm. That's not particularly clear um, from the note or anything. And so it's it's just you're not really sure where that idea comes from or if it's something he's trying to come up with after the fact or if that really was his original motive. Right. Um, Definitely a weird place if you're going to get all that money. Yeah. But I mean, I suppose that's a nice thing hopefully would help people but yeah it didn't see yeah from the way that he wanted the money it, it would make more sense for it just to be like just directly give it to the nhs yeah okay thanks yeah so um uh ian ball ended up pleading guilty to attempted murder and kidnapping and he was sentenced to life in a mental health facility and this caused a lot of uproar so as i mentioned there was only one bodyguard with princess anne at the time and that was uh beaten and a lot of people after the fact were like, what? There's only one bodyguard? But that was actually the, the standard practice. Um, Queen Elizabeth, when going to, to those types of events, also only had one bodyguard accompany her. And so the public was kind of uh, quite concerned with uh, the ability of a mentally ill person or just any person to, um, I mean, come up to the Princess Royal and... Uh, well, she wasn't at the time, but come up to Princess yes. Anne and shoot wildly and injure a lot of people and put her in danger. And find her so easily. Like, he said that he called, like, the just the press office and he was like, where's Princess Anne? And they were like, oh, she's coming from this event. Right. And so that was the other thing. They, they had also reported earlier the day that she was going to go to this event. Um, so he you know, was able to put two and two together. He was able to take the initial kernel of information and then pretty much call and say like, oh, when's she going to get to the palace and mm-hmm. work that out quite easily. And so this, um, but this didn't solve everything because not 10 years later, about 10 years later, there was another famous um, incident at Buckingham Palace uh, in 1982 when a man uh, climbed into Queen Elizabeth's bedroom and just was there and she was like oh hey hi person and the facts around that incident are still a little fuzzy some people claim that she talked to him for 20 minutes some people yeah. claim it was two um or some stories i should yeah. say and some uh stories say that she called multiple times she like hit a, a secret like button button <laughs> other people say no Her panic button yeah and so it's it's just unclear but it's it shows that there was a lot of it, it was a hard job keeping all of the royals safe at the time and they had to do a lot of um upgrading to their their security and to how they approached um releasing information about where they were going to be and you know who was going to go with them and all of that stuff just following up just on a ending on a good note about this is that everyone survived all Yay. the people who were injured um were treated in the hospital and they were visited by um, Anne and thanked for, for doing what they did. And uh, they were all given various honors. Inspector Beaton, who was her bodyguard, got the George Cross, which is Britain's highest civilian award for courage. Um, uh, the George Medal, which is the second highest um, honor civilian award for courage, went to Officer Hills and Ronald Russell, the boxer. The Queen, Queen's Gallantry Medals, which are the third highest, went to um, Edmonds, McConnell, and Callender. Though I will say, like, um, Callender got shot in the stomach and he didn't get a higher honor, but whatever. Yeah, ow. Yeah. Um, and then Glenmore Martin received the Queen's commendation for brave conduct. 
And um, Russell, I believe, was talking about when he received the award um, or, oh gosh, I wish I, I don't know. This is like the very end, but the quote was that when Queen Elizabeth was bestowing the award, um, she said to him, the medal is from the Queen of England and the thank you is from Anne's mother, Mm -hmm. which is like so sweet and like so accurate because yikes. I mean, it's so, and we talk about this and we'll talk about this more um, in an upcoming episode about the press and just fear for your security and like being a public figure and how you navigate that. And especially when the public is paying for your bodyguards and there's all this outrage. Like recently, you know, there was such an upgrade and then they had to cut the budget a ton. Um, And so how they did that was they got rid of security for um, the non-working royals, so to speak. So Princess Eugenie and Beatrice, they didn't have protection except at when they were at official functions for the mm-hmm. royal family but then prince andrew was like what are you talking about like they're still people know exactly who right. they are they're and still, where they are they're still famous for being princesses right and so they um he ended up uh getting hiring security for himself and all that stuff so yeah that is a thrilling tale and yeah, it's a. It's I a, feel it's like a, it should be a lifetime movie. I think they have made a couple movies about it okay. or attempted to, <laughs> um, loosely based upon. Yeah. And, but in the lifetime movie, she, she would actually get kidnapped, say, and then she for sure she like fall in love wow. with her co. She fall in love with like Ronald Russell or something. Like yeah. she fall in love with one of the guys who tried to save her and they break out. <gasps> she fall in love with the Daily Mail columnist. Ooh. This is what it is. All right, okay. I'm writing a, a okay. movie right now. Great. Okay. Princess. This is not Princess Anne. This is fictional princess. Is home, and she's coming back, and she's got her. She's with her boyfriend, who is a prince of a different country because, and he's hot, but he's stuck up in withholding. All right, and sh- they all of a sudden are getting attacked by a crazy person who, and I sound disparaging to people with mental illness. That's not great. I that was that was bad. Well, they're in the movie, in the Lifetime movie, they're held up yes. by a person who is like clearly not with it. Or who has some kind of, like, extreme cause. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And the handsome prince guy is like, I don't want to break a nail. And she's like, not bloody likely. And then all of a sudden, the Daily Mail columnist shows up and is like, hey, put the gun down. And then the guy's like, "I'm, I'm succeeding. Get into my Ford Escort. And then they go. And then Princess in the movie is like, it's all your fault. You're one of the press. That's why they knew, he knew where I was going to be. You're the enemy. And then it's like, the Daily Mail columnist is just so hot, and then they fall in love, and then they overpower the hostage guy, and then they're both the heroes, and then she marries him instead. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great movie. I like that. I should I write that. It. Yeah. I look um, forward to reading your screenplay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know what it will be called, but... Kidnapped by Danger. Kidnapped by Danger. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just another 30 Rock reference yep, for... For fun. Those. Except there's no... North Korea involved. I don't know. Maybe that will be the plot. Oh, that could be. But yeah, so it's not... I uh, I was trying to see. It looks like he's still... the Ian Ball is still in prison. Yeah. So Or, or he, in, in a in mental facility. health facility. Yeah. yeah. Even though there is a petition, if you guys so wish, you can sign, that Ooh. says that he's had enough and should be let out. Well, so, so that... I mean, I'm not going to get into that oh, yeah. can of worms in this <laughs> thing. You know, there's the rehabilitation versus you know, something else and when yeah. it has to do with mental illness and when is a person really cured mm-hmm. and can they be, and will they be guaranteed to stay on meds if they're receiving good treatment right. and stuff? And 
Yeah, there's lots of lots of things. But I will yeah. say, you know, he did there was kidnap and attempted murder of yes. multiple people. So he's not a person who yeah, I don't know. It, it was, very it was serious a very serious crime. Se- yeah, it was very serious whether or not he had the capacity to come up with the intent. We're not going to go into that cuz this isn't a law school class. Yay. Yay. So there are some other fun facts about Princess Anne yeah. that we want to talk about. Um, let's see. Well, one of my favorite is that she loves, she freaking loves lighthouses. She does? Yeah. Free, freaking she, excited about has them. She, has she been to Maine? Uh, no. She should. I don't know. Maybe. But I suppose um, they have them in England as yeah. well. But, but I found out about it because there's this article in the Daily Mail from 2008 called Princess Anne's Secret Personal Quest to Visit Every Lighthouse in Scotland. That's yeah. a good quest. Yeah. I would have that quest. Yeah. And so since she is, a, a, in addition to, you know, as far as her, her hobbies, she does also like to sail. And so she and her husband have been sailing around the shoreline okay. of um, Scotland for quite some time to, yeah, look at all these... Lighthouse. lighthouses there's 215 of them i think she's only gotten like halfway there um but yeah she really yeah wants to see all these lighthouses and makes notes so that's more of a personal quest like it's never like something that she does in her official royal duties but it's something that she really enjoys doing is to i'm imagining knock off all those uh, yeah those lighthouses check those boxes off i'm imagining like being the person on duty that day i'm sure mm-hmm. they get a heads up but yeah. then all of a sudden just like having some people walk up and being like oh my god that's princess Anne. right ah. and then the dog who lives at the lighthouse because there's always a dog that lives at the yeah. lighthouse jumps all over her and you're like down yeah and then she's like it's okay quite all right down and then the dog listens to her and you're like you're a witch but in a good way um, well, but, yeah. but that's, yeah. no, maybe not. Maybe the dog doesn't listen to her right. because of Dottie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but I'll just say that she doesn't just visit these lighthouses and, like, sails past them. She, like, goes into them and she wants to see the conditions. Mm. She wants to meet the technicians. Wow. She's very thorough in her lighthouse care and ador- adoration. Yeah. It's, it's a true love. Yeah, that's a lot more intense than I would be. <laughs> I would just take a picture and go on. But, uh, well, I mentioned Dottie. Um, Princess Anne has had a couple run-ins with the law um, that where she was on the arguably wrong side. And she has a speeding ticket, for example, but who doesn't? But right. I can't imagine that would be, again, imagine being that police officer pulling over somebody. Well, so the funny thing is, so she was going like 90 miles an hour, apparently. In, in like a what zone? I have no idea. Okay. Because, like, most of the A roads, like, the, yeah. the big roads in England are, like, yeah. 70. So, yeah. I mean, 90, like, don't go 90 yeah. miles an hour. Right. Unless you're on, like, the Autobahn or, like, you're in South Dakota yeah. and it's flat and bright and you're not going to yeah. hit anything. And so she was driving and she apparently thought that the car that was, like, coming down, which was the police car, was actually escorting her. So she thought... <laughs> She thought she could go faster. Oh my god, that's hilarious. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, so she yeah. was like, oh, they're here to help me, you mm-hmm. know, get somewhere. I guess I'll go faster. Yeah. And then, yeah, got pulled over and had to, uh... And to give her license and registration. Right. <laughs> but then isn't that like the, the scene in the Princess Diaries movie, the first one, where they're oh, like, yeah. they're like, what's your license and she's your identification? She's like... Or, like, they're like, this expired in 1974. She's like, they, where I'm from, they don't expire. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the, dang it. Well, I'm the princess. Like, I mean, her mom doesn't even have a driver's license. Yeah. So. And she, like, she drives, like, a bat out of hell, supposedly. Right. <laughs> she likes to terrify people yeah. with, like, taking her Range Rover and going yeah. quite fast. So, <laughs> yeah. 
But um, the other run-in was that Anne had a dog named Dottie who um, apparently attacked two children while she and her husband were walking the dog in Windsor Great Park. Um, I don't know what attacking two children meant. I mean... Like a bite? Like a bite or a just... Ni a nip versus like a full like, yeah, chomp. Yeah. Well, and I'll tell the story about my dog, uh, Pearl, which is really funny, but also probably scary for the kid in question. So it's it's the winter time, and my cousin brings over his son, who's like three, and he ha is playing outside in the snow, and he has a stocking cap on with a pom-pom on the top, and my dog sees it and thinks it's a chew toy, and it's a fun game, and so she goes up and tries to get the hat off the little kid, but the hat is tied firmly under his chin. Oh, no. And so she starts pulling him through the snow, and my dad is like, no, don't do that. Yeah. So is it like that? I mean, he he wasn't hurt. We still felt really bad because we were like, eh. she wasn't obviously very, she's still kind of a puppy. She's like in her right. one-year-old stage. But like, yeah, she, uh, she, that was something. But yeah, biting is a little bit different. But so apparently she was fined 500 pounds by Berkshire Magistrates Court and ordered to give Dottie more training, which, assumably, Dottie got. Yeah. Yeah. And what is this note? Royal Recycler Extraordinaire. Oh, is that for oh, her yeah. clothing? Okay. Yeah. Just yeah. that, yeah. She has worn several dresses, like, 30, 20 to 30 years later, and she still looks really great. Sometimes she even wears the same hat. Again, they were yeah. custom dyed together. And right. that's, again, why we want to go into that royal oh wardrobe God, vault. Yes. Because do each of them have their own? Or is there just, like, a nondescript building somewhere just outside London that's perfectly climate controlled mm -hmm. and has, like, a an Amazon distribution facility robot that, mm -hmm. like, monitors everything and, like, keeps the, you know, keeps everything pristine and can go oh, zoom in sure. and get a dress, you know? Oh, absolutely. And I think it also speaks to not... And obviously Kate recycles outfits, but there's not that, there's not as much time or has it been. We'll see. Yeah. You know, Kate does it. I think it also speaks to Princess Anne's just kind of personality in general, which is that she is kind of a, she's more of a, a more simple royal. Yeah. She's, and that's yeah. not like, not, not simple in like a bad way, but right. she just is more like. There's not as much flash, like yeah, compared there's to not, like Kate. There's not like, frills. There's not. Yeah. Um, I don't know. She just is more no nonsense about yeah. things. She's not a person who wants the scrutiny. I don't right. think over what she's wearing. And so she, right. I mean, she she dealt with that when she was younger, and now especially she's probably like, don't over please it. don't. I'm over yeah. it. Yeah, I, mean, I was say like Kate does wear those boots that she's had forever. Yeah, but that's like kind of the same thing. I feel like she hasn't done like a a real like dress rewear like way back in the archives dress rewear right she wouldn't have be able to yet but, but. someday she might yeah um, but yeah i think it and i think it just shows at least for Anne's career as a career royal because she really is a working royal as, as we said earlier at the beginning of the episode that she is the busiest and and people call her the hardest working royal because she does the most engagements mm -hmm. and right she's not when she's coming to your event she's not you're not going to hear about her clothes, you're not going to hear about, you know, her hair. You're going to hear about the event that she went to. And right. You might hear a comment that she said, like, you know, something very, you know, just, yeah, no nonsense -y. Dry. Yeah. Because yeah. she's just very matter-of-fact. Yeah. Um, but I think it definitely speaks to her personality that um, when she goes to an event, it's about the event. 
ultimately, which I think Kate is ultimately would love that to be her, her focus. And it, it, it'll be some time before. Right. Cause I mean, like I said, I think Anne had to deal with that a lot back mm-hmm. in the earlier days of her Absolutely. career as a Royal, but mm-hmm. now it has definitely shifted more towards I'm wearing the exact same thing yes. I wore however long ago. Mm-hmm. Let's get on with it. Shall we? Right. And yeah. you know, not giving, and you know, her children don't have titles, you know, she's, She's clearly, she's, she's figured out the role that she wanted to have. Right. Because she knew that she's the only daughter. Right. In, in, you know, of Queen Elizabeth. And so she knows she has that, that duty and that role. But she also, I think, understands that not everyone in her family needs to be affected by it as much as she has. Right. Well, and talking about the, the, um, her title a little bit more. What does the title Princess Royal mean? I mean, I, you've heard me mix it up a few times on the uh, podcast here today because she didn't become the Princess Royal until 1987. Mm-hmm. Before that, she was just Princess Anne. Right. And so what's the difference, Caitlin? Well, the difference is, um, so the, the the role is, she that is the title given to the eldest daughter of the monarch. Okay. And it's the highest honor that you can get as a female member of the royal family beyond queen right <laughs> which isn't really a, you know that's more of a you're born into role. yeah um but it's not something you just automatically get um the only the only time you get it is uh, if there's no other eldest daughter of a monarch so for example when queen um or excuse me when princess anne was born her um great aunt was still alive oh, okay and so she was the princess royal um, and the reason why they had this this title, it came into existence like around, I'm going to say the 1600s, and there was only about about seven or eight, because it isn't something yeah you just automatically get it is something bestowed upon you by your parent, mm-hmm. who's the monarch. But um, it was when Queen Henrietta of Queen Henrietta Maria, um, daughter of Henry the Fourth, the King of France, and wife of King Charles the First, um, they wanted to imitate the way the eldest daughter of the King of France was styled as Madame Royale. And mm-hmm. so when um, they had their daughter, Princess Mary was born, she became the Prince, first Princess Royal in 1642. Okay. So um, the, this great aunt of Princess Anne's didn't died in like 1965, but yes, she didn't become the Princess Royal until 1987, I believe. Is that what we were saying? Yes. Um, and so that, so in 1987, Queen Elizabeth of, officially gave her the title princess royal okay to show yeah you are the highest level and also probably is a thank you because of her already many years of service to, and for putting to the up with the bs of her husband yeah <laughs> at the time <laughs> who was clearly not being uh, obeying his uh, vows by staying not staying faithful yeah. so yeah yeah so it's an interesting yeah it's an interesting title because it's kind of they don't, they, yeah, they say it's, like, that highest honor, but it's definitely something, like, for example, Princess Charlotte won't become the Princess Royale unless her dad, Prince William, when he's king, bestows it upon her and Princess Anna's been dead. Okay. Good to know. While, so, so <laughs> But, I mean, that doesn't, yeah, so there's just the distinction between being a princess, which is, like, a princess by blood, and the Princess Royal, which is the highest princess in all the land, effectively. Yes. She is top princess. Top princess. (laughs) Princess number one. Yes. Yeah. All right. And we've talked a little bit throughout the episode about what her role as the second, uh, the second born child of the monarch, 
means. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we can kind of look at how that has boded for Prince Harry as the second uh, person, second, the younger sibling, mm -hmm. and then also for Princess Charlotte a little bit. And I think um, so far she set the standard pretty high for a person who will take on a lot of work and do a lot of the um, more... I don't want to say they're they're less important events, but mm -hmm. just more of the events that are um, that you know deserve a, a royal there. But for yes. whatever reason, um, scheduling and other conflicts because the monarch, the ruling, the king or queen has to be a lot of different places. She's the the person who gets to a lot of different places mm -hmm. in in England yeah. throughout the years. Yeah, and I feel like Harry's kind of started to take on that role, especially with his work with veterans. Yes. Like, you don't really see... William doesn't... Like, I don't think I can really think of him be... I don't associate him with veterans. He doesn't have that background. You know, Anne is... She's an outdoorsy kind of person, so she definitely gets more involved in those types of, um, you know, charities and whatnot. But, yeah, Harry, you know, obviously as a veteran, he's well, perfectly suited to kind of take on that role that doesn't always get as much, um, I think, attention as it should. Right. It's not the necessarily, again, like the opening of Parliament. Yeah. But it's something that's also very important for a royal to, to be out there and recognizing mm -hmm. and just being like, yeah, we're here and we think that what you're doing is important. Mm -hmm. You know, various charities and yeah. organizations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then as far as, you know, obviously if, Harry and Meghan do ended up getting married and having children. Yeah, figuring out that role for their own children. Because I think, I would say that since William and Harry have such a good relationship, they, it would be less like the Charles and um, Andrew issue with the princess, you know, Eugenie and Beatrice. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, I know you guys want to be involved, but like, yeah, it's you're a, just too much for me, brother. Yeah, Andrew. you're we can't justify the taxpayer expense right. or whatever be maybe be that mm -hmm. a legitimate excuse the real ex the real yeah. reason or just a nice excuse right right so i think it'll be interesting to see because since they are very close and they don't seem to have that same tension that charles has had with his brothers or at least with Pr prince andrew to see kind of it might be a different role but i think princess anne was like you know what i don't have my kids don't have to do this right and i don't want them to have this life or Unless they choose to mm -hmm. somehow get more involved with public mm -hmm. affairs. Right. But they've gotten to keep that family aspect. Yeah. Yeah, and I think in looking even further into the future for Princess Charlotte, I think um, Anne has done a lot to break down the, the gender barriers. Yeah, absolutely. Talking about she wears the men's uniform, she gets to kind of do... She, she does a lot of things that would be... She drives a tank. She drives cool. a tank. It's the more traditionally... Uh, the things that would traditionally have been taken on by her younger brothers, probably. Mm -hmm. But she was not shy about demanding that she be able to do them as well, or instead of them. Mm -hmm. And so, hopefully that'll give Charlotte some extra freedom in her own uh, decision-making in the future to see, you know, what she wants to do. She can go down the athletic route if that's what she wants to do. And I wouldn't be surprised if she did with her parents and yes. with her mother especially. <laughs> you know, Kate's quite athletic herself. And so um, being able to participate in sports and play hockey at school and you know, go off to school and, mm -hmm. and kind of follow her own path. And hopefully, you know, she won't be 
forced to take on such a prominent role if that's not what she wants. But mm -hmm. it, if she wants it, it's it's there and there's precedent for for a female, um, you know, child to do that. And also there's the fact that now the line of succession is not dependent on gender. So regardless, if um, William and Kate have another child, it doesn't matter. Even if it's a boy, Charlotte's still second in line mm -hmm. behind, or, or he's in line behind George. Right. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and then the last thing is just, um, so... Uh, Princess Anne is really involved. She's actually the president of a group called Save the Children UK. Um, and that's been kind of, she's been the president since 1970. It was like one of the first, you know, patronages that she took on. And it works obviously with children in Africa and around the world for obviously education, nutrition, all those things. And has, she's spent a lot of time in Africa, just like the other um, family members, but going into those more dangerous places. So like you talk about like with, Princess Charlotte one day, it might be, yeah, she's kind of set that role like, okay, I can just go into Africa and it's not the safest, but it's important to, um, you know, help raise money and put a spotlight on these, these issues. Yeah. Which is funny because she has been nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize as a... Um, has she? Yeah. When was she nominated? Um, 1990. Okay. I mean, she was nominated. I don't know if she... I mean, how far the, she got beyond, I don't know how the nomination process works. I think but. you just, it's like a pool of nominees yeah. and then it's voted on mm -hmm. in a particular year. Mm -hmm. But yeah, and I think people will get re-nominated a mm -hmm. lot of time, but yeah. yeah. So interesting. interesting. Yeah. Well, I think that wraps it up. I think so. So we hope you guys uh, enjoyed learning a little bit more about the Princess Royal, Princess Anne. Yes. <laughs> And that, yeah, she's just, yeah, she doesn't get as much attention, even though she really is the most active member of the royal family. Yeah, uh, I mean, she is taking the the torch from Prince Philip and really, you know, being the person who shows up at all these events. So you do see a lot of pictures of her, but you don't necessarily remark on them. It's yeah. not like when Kate shows up someplace and we're like, what is she wearing? What is she doing? You know, yes. every min minute detail. Um, but... What she's doing is really important, and she is also seems like she would be an absolute uh, card to talk to. She seems like she just would be super funny mm -hmm. and uh, ha would have a lot of interesting things to say about a lot of things. Yes. So that's a person who I would love to have write like a juicy tell-all, mm -hmm. but I doubt that that will happen. Oh, you never know, goodness. though. I mean, she would have a lot to say about a lot of things. I have I mean, a feeling. Why not? You know, she does so much. Why not? her next role be novelist. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Or lady detective. Like yeah. I said, she would be super good at that if she isn't already secretly doing it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, thanks for joining and listening to us. Yes. And as always, if you have any feedback, Oh wait, there's a correction. There's a correction. Oh, okay. I mean, not really. Yeah. It's just more of a clarification on a comment I may have flippantly made. I was informed by my husband that a reader, or a reader, a listener got in touch with him, said, you know, I disagree vehemently with something Jenna said about accountants. And I'm like, well, God, what did I say? <laughs> I don't remember. Um, apparently, I may have implied that accountants are not particularly interesting people. I don't, I didn't listen back. But I, you know, if I said that, we'll, we'll pretend it's because of the longstanding rivalry between lawyers and accountants that has been portrayed in the sh television show Parks and Recreations, where it's Ben Wyatt versus the um, 
attorney guy and he'll make jokes and then the attorney's like leave the accountant crap at the door <laughs> no but really i think my point was saying more like you're not necessarily going to do uh was it in the context of like a tv show or something like that it was, no we were talking about so it was the Meghan markle movie maiden oh right episode where she's dating or i thought he was an accountant oh right but yeah. he's actually something else the, the guy that she was going on the date with yes for okay so this yes and now yeah. i know i think it was okay we assumed he'd be an accountant because we're assuming they're providing the stable right. like you know regular guy who yeah. isn't like a i don't know it's what would be the like the non-architect you know yeah. like there's the stereotypes in like sure. every rom-com the guy the romantic interest he's an architect or he's in advertising or something yeah. and like because ooh, that's a glamorous job that's a macho man right and it's not to say that an accountant can't be those things it's that in traditional movie tropes the accountant is always the uh the more like like the logical right like the accounting for our parks and rec numbers. like yeah they're <laughs> They're like my husband who makes math jokes and stuff <laughs> and he's not an accountant, but he's an economist. So, you know, again, they all do things that I have no capacity to understand. And yeah, I don't know. And as a, a lawyer whose um, profession, at least on like the, the civil side of law, my profession is always portrayed as this like, well, I don't know, like probably in suits, um, like, ooh, all these hot shot things everyone's going to trial and it's like yeah, yeah there are the handful of people who do that on the civil side but like it's not actually that interesting we're mostly doing research on our computers and then writing yeah and, like, on suits they're constantly blackmailing people oh that's a that's yeah. not allowed it, it, oh yeah you, i think you would your mind your brain would just like explode if you watched it yeah they're so they're so unethical well it's <laughs> i can't see and that's why i have to avoid like a lot of shows about lawyers um like my first year of law school that the show how to get away with murder came uh, out yes. and i was like why are they i think i got like 10 minutes into the first episode i was like why are they starting on that like you don't start there and you're when you're learning law like who's who's doing this and all this stuff and yeah it's just it's hard to to separate but mm -hmm. yeah so we, we apologize to the accountants out there yes without you yeah um, our, our i don't know our businesses would not have good balance sheets true and I would have to try to do math, which nobody wants. You heard me trying to subtract 1974 from 2014. <laughs> Good God. I can't. I have to, like, every single time I get my hair cut, it's always the same price. And yeah. I, every time, have to bring out my calculator to calculate to make sure I'm doing enough tip. because, And I have to do it because, like, I, I'm terrified that one day I'm going to accidentally leave a bad tip. Mm because i am bad at math and i don't want like my hairstylist who have like been going to since i was three years old i don't want her to think that i'm like mad at her or like unsatisfied with her right. the job she's doing so i'm always like okay what is it let's double check yeah. so yes yeah i have the card that tells me and i always oh. like have to hold it because mm -hmm. i don't want people to see yeah but now everyone knows i have it so now we'll just i'll just ask it. you in the future yeah. if we're out together mm -hmm. though there is always with with um tips i mean i'm always good at like i'm always a usually at least a 20 percenter so that's mm -hmm. all pretty easy to do because then i'll just like figure out what 10 percent is by moving the decimal and then yeah. add it and then round up because yeah. i'm not going to do the definite math but then my husband i'm like did you tip 20 percent and he'll be like yeah and i'm like well it didn't it wasn't a round number or anything he's like yeah i did the actual math and i'm like well fine <gasps> i guess some of us have calculating so minds. special 
Ugh. So good at math. Didn't have to pull out the calculator. We all have our own strengths. Yes. And anyway, this was a long and winding road into. A, but thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. I'm sorry if I'm <laughs> like I'm. I'm sorry you were offended. No, I'm just kidding. I'm. I really don't want to. It's hard. We try not to come off as flippant. I also feel bad about what I, how I f- was phrasing my words about mental illness. I don't want to make it sound like I don't think that it's legitimate or just calling people crazy for no reason. Because obviously I think the challenge here is we don't actually know, like, well, based on whatever I've seen, I don't know the actual diagnosis for uh, this person. I just know that he was sentenced to life in a mental health facility. Right. So. Unfortunately, ep- you know, epithets come out. But yeah. All right. I'm only human. Indeed. Goodbye. Oh, but okay. the, our contact information, if yes. you want to yell at me, don't do that, please. Um, you can reach us at americroundreams at gmail.com. We are also available on uh, Facebook and Instagram at americroundreams and on Twitter at americroundream. Singular. Okay. Yay. And we will see you, well, we will put our voices out to you again in one week. All right. Bye. Bye.